Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. You can find us online at www.dawnofmantis.com. Joe, what's going on tonight? Not a whole lot, man. How are you? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Just hey. kind of... What, what's up? No, I was going to add, didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to ask you what's, uh, you, normally you have the Dawn of Mantis uh, sign on your, as your screensaver, and now I'm seeing this, this Yeah, I've Camaro. been watching a bunch of shows about restorations and stuff, so I put this 68 Camaro on there. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It is really cool, man. Yeah, my, uh, a little tidbit, my uncle, he had one almost identical to that. Uh, oh. He he found it in like a field, and uh, you know, a couple thousand dollars is what he paid for it, and then flipped it for like 25. It was all like an SS, oh. 396. Like okay. a really rare car, okay. big cam and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah okay. He's probably one of the best mechanics that I know of that, oh. that I've ever really even heard of. So it's pretty. It's pretty well, I mean, pretty. okay. I don't, I don't know how many mechanics you've heard. Like my cousin is a pretty awesome mechanic. Oh, yeah. He yeah. Is. He yeah. Is. And he was in a barn one time cleaning it out for this old lady and he found a 72 Mach 1 Mustang. In there. Oh, he just found a Mach 1 Mustang? I mean, it was parked in there. Somebody parked it in there. Oh, okay. Any, anyway, he gave her 800 bucks for it. He dropped in a 351 Windsor, put in a four-speed Muncie, nine-inch Ford rear end, obviously, with 411 gears. Sold it for thirty thousand dollars. Mm, thirty thousand. Yeah. Thirty huh? grand. Yeah. Thirty uh, grand. Yeah, I figured it'd be he's more. a good mechanic. He's awesome. Yeah, I he's figured, the best mechanic I know. I figured it'd be more than twenty-five. Uh, so yeah, uh, I had a cousin one time. Uh, speaking of restorations, um, um, I it's I've never heard a story like this. He was uh in a field and he saw what what he thought was a helicopter blade. And he went over and did some digging, and, and sure enough, it's a Sikorsky uh, CH-37 just, uh, you know, wasting away there. He found, so, he fa- he found a helicopter. Yeah. A helicopter. helicopter. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there's they made a lot of them, so, I mean, okay. yeah. So the, he, him and some friends dug it out, and, you know, they, they got it back to the shop and fixed that thing up, and they flipped that thing. You know, it was like, you know, it was like 75000 So uh, seventy five. Yeah, I mean, that was a steal. Those things are worth millions. So, sure. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I mean, so found so it. what's what's on the podcast for tonight, Joe? No, let's uh, talk more about this helicopter. Nah, man, it's just you know, it's it's ancient history. No, yeah, it? I'm sure it is, but I mean, surely do you have a picture of it? Or or I mean, that's a that's a big thing. I mean, surely I could be... pull up a picture of a helicopter. That it looks like no, you know? no, 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 no. This there would surely be some sort of documentation. No, right, you this... know, they could kind of flew under the radar with the thing. Flew thing. under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, I you know, I don't even know where it would be. Let, on the let me let me ask you something, Ivan. What else did, did when he found this helicopter? Did he look inside it? You know, was there the bones of Jimmy Hoffa in there? Maybe. Oh, uh, okay. Holding I the see. Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, yeah I uh, see. maybe a document that saying who really killed JFK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coordinates yeah. to where Loch Ness monster lives. What else was in the helicopter? I feel I feel like it was kind of like the barn Mach One Mustang that some old lady showed. Hey, here's our Mustang. Okay, well, that, that, that that happens all the time. In yeah, case you didn't know that okay. all the time. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, and it had to be more than my than my helicopter. Hey, I, I can't or, help I mean, it. That it was, had to be had to be more than my Camaro. I can't help it that it was uh, worth more. I can't help it. I, I'm I'm just relaying what happened. We'll be right back with the Golden Air Contactees, Episode 1. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis.
So, what else has been going on, man? Not a whole lot. Um, I'm excited to get I'm into so this. Excited. This series. Series. This is going to be a series. A serious series. Yes. I don't know how serious. Well, some of it will be. Yeah. Like, I would say if you if you like, let's say our podcast was a graph, like a circle graph. Like, how would you divide this pie if you were going to say percentage of seriousness? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel Mitch Hedberg and say the give to charity slice. <laughs> it'll be about it'll be about like that. Yeah, razor thin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's an interesting chart that I've seen online before. This is a uh-huh. uh, Pac-Man. Have oh, you no, seen this? Yeah. No. 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 So this this would be. He's drawn pre- a circle with a pie. You know, oh yeah. With, I forgot. A, this is like wedge. radio. Yeah. I'm sorry, all the people. It's all right. Man. So this. Part stands for the percentage of pie chart that doesn't look like Pac-Man. <laughs> and this is the percentage of the pie chart that does. That does look, that's a good pie chart. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, play that remember, joke with your friends. I remember being so lost in school on, on charts, like in, in elementary and middle school. For some reason, I just didn't get them. But then it seems like all of a sudden a switch got flipped on. It's like, oh, I see. You know, it's like I always like went through the motions like, yeah, does it mean seven? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, I haven't. it doesn't mean Ross seven. Perot helped me learn th- through through charts. Oh, yeah. No, charts are awesome. Uh, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of them. There's actually a Reddit thread that I have. It's called Data is Beautiful. And really? there's yeah, there's some really cool. Uh, I don't know if I can pull it up fast enough. Uh, That's what she said. People, this is not a bit. No. It's really <laughs> See so many bits. Like, <laughs> like uh, uh, actually, I bet the first post is awesome. Uh, because, and, and um, beautiful. I spelled that wrong. B-E-A-U. I know. I just I just did it. And Jim, see. Just think Jim Carrey if you ever have to wonder how to uh, spell beautiful. And <laughs> I believe on, it was it's liar, like, liar. It's like, it's like glitchy. Well, we're a little bit, we're a little far from the Wi-Fi signal down here in the cellar top studios <laughs> it's not working anyway it's pretty cool because what it'll have is b-e-a-u t-i-f you're beautiful yeah there it is oh that's mod i don't want yeah this has got 14 million followers and like these posts are awesome so basically it'll just be a a chart and it'll show different things like that smoke from the West Coast to the, all these forest fires. Yeah, California's burning, man. Yeah, parts of Oregon. Yeah, man. That's why. That's part of part of the reason why everyone's running out of there. Yeah. So I think Rogan left before the fires started, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this season, anyway. Um, like, I love oh, graphs. This, What's this? Is this? Act, this is super awesome. This is U.S. Pop, population density over time, and look, there's the year, and look. So this is like a heat map. It becomes darker, like brown, the the, the thicker that people. Yeah, were and so what? So I like to watch over here because this indicates the gold rush. So check this out. It'll like it population. It's like fleas jumping like over here. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Right across the breadbasket to the yeah. west coast. Yeah. Sorry, I always forget that people are listening. Um, oh yeah, it's basically we're looking at a map of the United States, and it's uh, the east coast is slow. It's a yellow, you know, country. 
And the East Coast is slowly turning from like orange to dark red as the people. And we're at 1864 right now. Oh, there now. We're just popping up over here in like probably parts of Utah and then a lot of, uh, I need to get over from California. Yeah. California. And then look in the middle. Look at how Oklahoma is just nobody. Yeah. All the way up to. Oh, now finally in almost 1900, we're seeing. It was weird because there's a there's a patch all the way, and then Oklahoma, the shape of it's perfectly outlined by yeah, people. Yeah, it's crazy. Now Oklahoma's populated 1908. Anyway, that's a cool thing, man. People yeah, should look no, there's up. there's there's a ton of really cool information on here because uh, just like I was talking about charts and graphs and pie charts and stuff. I mean, there's just a ton of really cool things that. Um, yeah, I don't get that one, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I'll scroll through here a lot and look at different things. Um, yeah. Cool. Pretty cool. So, hey, man, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, the golden era contactees. Yeah. So people listening, listen, 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 listen. Disclaimer. 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 If you are not into UFOs, if you're not into abductions, if you're not into any of that type of stuff, still listen. Okay. You're not going to be sorry. I'm really telling you because. The golden era contactees, uh, that basically refers to a period of time somewhere between maybe the mid 40s and late 50s, where uh, it was before the narrative of what we have now. Now, when we talk about aliens, when we think about UFOs and stuff, we picture grays, really tall, thin grays with their big, dark eyes. And anyone who's visited, you know, they're strapped to this metal table and. They have all these experiments done, like, like Travis Walton and, and Fire in the Sky and stuff like that. To the butt. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the booty probing and all that. Well, before that whole thing, before that whole thing, there was this other era. You know, it's basically throughout the all of the 50s. Uh, and it was the golden era where these this really colorful group of characters uh, all claimed, not, not together that knew each other, but this, you know, scattered out all claimed that they had been visited uh, by space brothers basically it was this whole different thing it wasn't it wasn't clinical and like they were studying us like we were cattle or something yeah all of their tales involved the space brothers basically they looked just like humans except for they were all beautiful you know, ah. like the men were perfect and the women were beautiful and voluptuous and they had tan skin most were from Venus. And they were all just like hippie, really laid back, all here to help us, all here to be like, basically their message was like, oh, we kind of realized in the uh, intergalactic community that you guys just discovered the atom bomb and nuclear stuff. And we're kind of here to like guide you through, like you don't blow yourself up. Yeah. That sounds better. Very different. Really what bookended that, what ended this golden era uh, was uh, 1960, I believe, or 61 when Betty and Barney Hill yeah, their abduction, which was, you know, not friendly, and it really became much more famous than any of these guys, uh, and it changed the landscape, and that's kind of the, the, the format and the blueprint of their abduction is basically, even all these years later, yeah. uh, what we still Which we could experience. start, we should start like a, a MAGA campaign, Make Aliens Great Again, like, <laughs> and where we like... We like talk only about that, and we we basically you know we forget about the the interracial couple and you know that that brought this new wave alien to yeah. uh, you know yeah um, we don't believe any of that stuff we we want it back to the old school days yeah when the aliens were when aliens were great and, yeah. and better and not this 
Not this, I'm going to probe you stuff. <laughs> you know, come on. That's, that's bull crap. Yeah. Yeah, so let's do that. I let's agree. I like the Space <laughs> Brothers version. I did too. But there was a whole group of people. Uh, uh, but the first and really foremost and kind of grandfather to them all was a guy named George Adamski. And Spell that, sir. A-D-A-M-S-K-I. George right. Adamski. Uh, we're going to be focusing on him. We're going to do probably... Now, listen, this is why I say bear with me. These guys are all colorful characters, really interesting stories. Uh, half the time during this pod- podcast, you're going to be thinking like, how the hell did people believe this shit? <laughs> uh, and not everyone did, but man, a lot of people did. And there's a whole cluster. I'm talking... I don't know if we'll do an episode on every one of them, but I'm telling you what, we're going to have to split the George Adamski into two because there's so much about him. Yeah. And then I've already got in front of me here notes. There's there's like 12 or 13, basically, of these famous Golden Era contactees. I don't know if we'll do an episode on every one of them because that, goddamn, that'd be like the next three months. <laughs> that, that sounds cool. Let's keep um, doing it until we feel like we've, uh, you know, we've kind of... Um, we're done with it, you know? Sure. But sure. right now I'm super, um, super stoked about it. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Let's talk about old George. <laughs> so flying saucers and the little green men who fly them are so ingrained in our culture that it's hard to imagine a reality without them, or at least the idea of them. So many believe the space panic began after Kenneth Arnold reported seeing nine crescent shaped objects appear quote, like saucers skipping on water near Mount Rainier in 1947. By the way, that's where flying saucers came from, was that, mm. was that quip from Kenneth Arnold. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, however, in 1947 also was uh, the same year of uh, the Roswell incident. Too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nearly a decade before, Orson Welles sent thousands of listeners into a frenzy when they mistook his fictional War of the Worlds radio broadcast for the real thing. That was 1938. Yeah, I've listened to that before. Um, I have too. It's yeah, great. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Grover's Mill. Yes. Uh, now that was a at Grover's Mill. That was, was that a fictional town or is that no? That's a real town. Uh, I think it is in I New Jersey. Yeah, or something? I think it is. Yeah. I, yeah, it is a real town, and they actually have a monument there now, like in the city park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The people were pretty pissed off about that. They were. Um, <laughs> sadly, now the equivalent of that today now is when someone, which I don't know why people do this, but they post some celebrity dies and then. Everyone doesn't know for sure if it's real, so it's like a little bit of a panic for a few minutes. But it almost be we're so like we get news from so many different area places now. It'd be really hard to do that these days. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> just don't believe any of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is we're all we're getting hoaxed from so many areas. Like, I don't think that you know most people believe any of it until. They've read it like multiple places, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to say most people, but the rational people. So, but even even then, I think really rational people, you know, they heard that on the radio. They tuned in late. They even said at the beginning what it was. Right, right. But if you yeah. turn it on late, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. So. And Orson Welles is so damn good. Oh, yeah. You, he's believable. Yeah, I like it. That's super cool. But um, we talked about that on the podcast before yeah. a couple times. Yeah. I don't think we've done an episode about it, but it seems like you did. You had something. You had some notes about it, and we talked about it for a while on, on one episode. Yeah, I can't remember what what the context was, but yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, super cool. Well, this is an era of space fanaticism, and it followed uh, all this. Uh, you know, it's waxed and waned since then, but never gone away. Flying saucers and all manner of imaginative aliens, or Martians, as they were called back then, flooded television screens and movie theaters, along with the covers of. 
uh, comic books and dime store novels. But almost from the get-go, a theme developed portraying these space visitors as malevolent. You know, like most old UFO flicks have names like Attack of the Martian Invaders and the Brain Eaters. And what if, what's mine? Invasion of the Saucer Man. That's my yeah. poster there. No, I love it. That's that that era in the art. What year was that, do you think? 56, I believe. Yeah. Isn't that, that fantastic? Oh, uh, that is creepy. I love it. That's probably creepier than the movie. The, I'm the, sure seriously, the art's probably uh you know, crazier than the movie. I'm sure it is, man. Hey, see if you can find a clip of the movie or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, these feature evil space creatures, and they're all eager to destroy mankind. Uh, you know, one of the most popular episodes of The Twilight Zone was To Serve Man, <laughs> in which an alien race lands on Earth pretending to offer their help, but in the end, they just want to eat us. The more flying saucers climbed the ranks in pop culture, the more sightings were reported. Soon, this would include another phenomenon that is now just as familiar as UFOs themselves alien contact and abduction oh yeah yeah the dreaded abduction oh here it is this is the trailer it says lover's lane is is full full of frantic lovers (laughs) unnaturally the sky's full of flying saucers Oh, this is uh, this is the greatest era. Whoa! Invasion of the Saucermen. They kind of look like the aliens from uh, Mars Attacks. Yeah, but they seem kind of lost. Like they <laughs> they're not used to their big heads. 1957. I was one year off. I the apologize. brass denied it. Yeah, they're talking about the the uh, military. Teenage kids saw eye to eye. Oh, that's scary. I love this. Sure, they're from another planet, Jack. Sounds like you've been smoking the devil's cabbage. They never believe us. They never believe us. This is fantastic. Are we going to get pulled for this? For... Probably not. I don't, I don't think we play that much. No one's listening. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that guy sounds like the narrator, like... Piping hot popcorn. <laughs> Refreshing soda. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the snack bar. Oh, my. Yeah, these are great. These are great. Is this the trailer for it? This is the trailer. But you know what I noticed? What? Check this out. It says that it's the full freaking thing on YouTube. I guess this is so old that it can just hour and nine minutes. Look. Oh, wow. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you watch the whole thing. I don't know if we're supposed to promote that. Well, yeah. I'm uh, not saying it's legal, but it's on YouTube. But, uh, I mean. Almost a million views. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Invasion of the Saucer Men. Saw this at the, here's the comment, the first comment. Saw this at the drive-in, 50 cents to get in. Man, am I old. Boy, he is if he saw that at the drive-in when it came out. I'm going to like that comment. (laughs) Uh I did my social media part. That's there you the first go. First comment I've liked today. There you go. So yeah, that's cool, man. Invasion of Saucerman. Well, the most famous alien abduction, uh, and this is one I brought up just a minute ago, is probably that of World War II vet Barney Hill and his wife Betty in 1961. The story of their experience became the blueprint for all abductees. They were stripped naked, examined, subjected to painful tests, and after having their memories wiped, returned to Earth, sometimes in a different location. This was always the gen. I'm sorry. This was also the genesis for the missing time phenomenon. So that thing wasn't around before this either. And uh, you know, it usually takes years of slow recall or several hypnotism sessions to get the memories of what happened back. So their story fit with the overall theme of aliens being different, indifferent, 
sorry, uncaring, methodical beings who basically view mankind as guinea pigs, which is the popular consensus to this day. So arguably the second most famous abduction was that of Travis Walton, and I've brought that up a million times. That was 14 years after The Hills, uh, but it followed the same blueprint, although the aliens who abducted The Hills weren't quite as ruthless as the one who'd gotten to uh, Travis Walton. Betty claimed that although some of her tests were painful, they were gentle with her and even engaged in pleasant conversation during the process. Travis Walton was basically just you know, strapped to a metal exam table and poked and prodded like a lab rat. They weren't as, uh, you know, uh, congenial as, as the Walton. You know, maybe he just got a more rough group, you know. You know, something about Travis Walton, uh, he has never, to his credit, changed his story from yeah. what i understand not even an ounce yeah um, from what i understand yeah and that was back from uh what 75 or so yeah yeah uh, to this day he's never changed his story and 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 contrary to what people believe i don't think he or any of the other guys benefited at all from that in fact i think it kind of ruined their lives you know what well, I, mean? I mean locally from what i know i think it did just yeah you know because everyone thought they were kooks or whatever um yeah, yeah, I don't know enough about that story. I mean, I, I've I've seen the movie. I've never read, really read into it in, very much, but uh, very interesting to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were others who reported having contact with creatures from outer space years before Barney and Betty Hill, okay? There was an entire group of people in the 50s who became well-known for their alleged alien visitations. They would become known as the contactees. Mm. And later, the golden era contactees. This first group claimed that the race from outer space was friendly and here to help guide humanity in a positive direction. Much different than the cold, methodical lab technicians described by the Hills just a few years later. To say the contactees were an interesting group of people is a huge understatement. So let's start with the first and probably most well-known of the bunch, George Adamski. Okay, I'm ready. I've got a guy who's actually my favorite buck nelson but we're gonna get we're gonna get to him in uh in a few more episodes 50s name yeah uh, he's this guy's fantastic but yeah all right so's george though stick around uh (laughs) (laughs) george was born in uh, now uh, non-existent prussia in 1891 but moved to the u.s shortly after he joined the u.s cavalry at 22 and from 1913 to 1916 fought during the poncho via expedition of the at the mexican border after leaving the cavalry, he met and married Mary Shimbersky in 1917, and the pair moved out west to find their fortunes. George bounced around Oregon and California a few years, uh, working a slew of random jobs to survive. In the early 1920s, he got into studying different religions and philosophies and took a particular interest in theosophy, which at the time was still a very fresh movement starting f- from the writings of Madame Blavatsky. And if you don't know who that is, I won't tell you, but I will tell you this. Uh, look up the last podcast on the left. They do like a, th- I don't know, like a three or four or five part series on Madame Blavatsky. Wow. That's just interesting as hell. Yeah. I've never really heard of it. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. it's it, you'd, you'd love it, man. Yeah. Cool. Um, George combined elements of Eastern religions with Christianity into his own unique brand, which he called Universal Progressive Christianity. Hmm. He moved to Laguna Beach and founded the Royal Order of Tibet and opened the Temple of Scientific Philosophy, where he served as a philosopher and teacher. He told a reporter at the time that he had grown up in Tibet, where he learned much about philosophy, 
but in reality, he was raised in New York. George was also quite the entrepreneur because after Prohibition hit uh, in 1922, he secured a government license to make wine for religious purposes, but instead sold it to thousands of thirsty patrons who couldn't find their illegal hooch anywhere else. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. George was quoted as saying, I made enough wine for all of Southern California. I was making a fortune. But as they say, all good things must end, and George's corner on the wine market vanished when Prohibition ended in 1933. Yeah, isn't it crazy that that it becomes legal and then it hurts the people that are... I don't know, it totally makes sense, but it's just kind of crazy. It's like, man, I wish it was illegal again, because now I don't make any money, you know? <laughs> and and that, that my conspiracy theory brain says, well, the government was tired of not making money and on it, and then having other people make money on it, so then they decided to legalize it again. That is what... So they could tax it. It's interesting to see where this where this legalization of marijuana is going. Yeah. I, once it's federally decriminalized, I think that is when, you know, the federal government obviously will get in on it. Yeah, because they can't tax it right now federally no. because it's illegal federally. But, but once they can, don't you think that all the small-time growers... Don't you think it's going to be overtaken by basically like the Philip Morris of... Or Philip Morris themselves might even get in on the marijuana market. So I, I they're already making cigarettes. I, I know a guy, and and a story doesn't it, it'll be like the helicopter. But I promise this is true. Oh, really? Well, your cousin? I know. <laughs> I promise this is true. But but the part I'm telling you is true. But I don't know if his part's true. Okay. okay. Uh, which it makes sense. He said there, even though uh, he lives in a state to where you can easily get a license to buy it uh, or or a, a card to buy it. Uh-huh. There are people that are just like. I like buying it illegally. I always have. So that's how I'm going to. So they like would just rather pay more for worse quality stuff. Really? It's just like it's just like it's, you know, what they're used to. Right. You know, I don't know. Do they feel weird walking into like a a normal store with like fluorescent lights? And I guess like Steve Miller band is playing (laughs) over the loudspeaker. And you're like looking at just jars and bags of weed everywhere. Does it just take the fun out of it? They would just rather go into a house where kids are running around naked with dirty faces and, and, uh, tables with, um, with, um, cans of, you know, Modelo crushed, you know, <laughs> spilled all over everywhere. With so kind of like Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis <laughs> in uh, Due Date yeah. when they have to stop by and buy weed from yeah, Juliette Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Just like that. That's very stereotypical. I mean, I'm sure there's some very nice uh, drug dealers that um, actually I know there are. I don't but, like blends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, I. it's just like once you could do it legally, I would hope you're in... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just brainwashed. Uh, maybe I'm just, you know, governmental brainwashed to think once it's legal, you'd think just, you know, you'd be enough of an adult to like figure out a way to, to, to be legal about it. But, um, because it's so easy to get. So, uh, I don't know why you just want to still buy it in weird places and have to worry. One for what I always heard too. I heard one guy on a podcast talking about how nice it was to not have to used to, you had to like, hang out with your drug yeah dealer. oh yeah you'd have yeah. to smoke a jay with them yeah and, there are people like that and, and like, you know like that was just down. part of it yeah you yeah. just you're like oh shit okay. you want to try this before you buy it's like no and the guy just wants you to smoke with him that's it yeah that's really what it is yeah it's like too friendly you know yeah and you're just like i you're the only guy i know that has it so yeah you don't go to the, the case, dollar right? store and buy some twinkies <laughs> and before you leave it's like hey man <laughs> 
here, I got another box. Here, I love try that. a Twinkie before. The teller's like, you want to split a Twinkie before you go, He's man? Like, no, no, no. I got my box. No, no, man. No, can, let's eat this. This Twinkie. one's on the house. Just have one. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'll pass it over. It's like, no, no, it's good. I mean, this transaction's done. We're not friends. I just bought these Twinkies from you. I love that. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I just, uh, I don't know. And I'm not saying that every transaction with somebody buying it, you're buying it on the street. There's obviously some states in the union still where that's, that's your only choice. And I'm sure it's safe. You know, not every drug dealer, even though it, it sounds like, you know, we've been conditioned to think of drug dealers as the worst like vermin of society. But, <laughs> but let's, let's be honest. They're selling something that grows in the ground. Like, you know, it's like I could, you know marijuana drug dealers yeah yeah yes yeah no yeah. i'm not talking about yeah no yeah but what i'm saying no is, they're very different than the guy that has a six pounds of meth in yeah a, i'm not yeah. saying hey the the la- the meth labs i'm sure those are fine people <laughs> uh yeah but what i'm saying is like i mean it's uh you know we've been conditioned to think that it's the you know cd culture or whatever it's like but it should be legal everywhere and everyone knows it and it's getting there a lot faster than i ever thought it would, and which is, you know, I think it's awesome because I think it's a uh, just the um, financial side of me that thinks about like taxation and helping people out that are sick, and it's just like it should be legal. I mean, come on, it's it's you can't find any data that proves that it's the bane of existence. In fact, some of the negative things that everyone always thought that we probably thought in high school and before that where they were showing videos of people on other things and they're like look at this reefer madness yeah exactly it's like it's like yeah uh i've never seen anyone on it like you know still car stereos and stuff like they you know they might want to sit in your car and listen to an album with you i mean they're not <laughs> steal your radio <laughs> Listen, listen to this solo i don't i just don't think they would want to take that away from you i think they would want like Music is so important, man. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't steal your radio. So the government ha- and media have a history of demon- demonizing things that aren't uh, that bad and making them seem a lot worse. Well, yeah, that's what they have to do because they, um, and um, uh, yeah, that's what they have to do well, to follow get me, action. Follow me on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, think they're, I think we're experiencing that right now. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. They post the numbers. People, if you have a calculator, just run the numbers. Yeah. Of coronavirus. They yeah. post the numbers. Yeah. And you can do the math and the mortality rate of the flu is like 0.019% or something. Yeah. And with the numbers that are out, the the mortality rate of COVID is maybe 0.01% higher than that. And I think it's actually lower than that because they just came out the other day and they're fluffing up the numbers so much because, and this is not conspiracy theory, people. This was this lady was standing in the goddamn White House and said, "Well, not necessarily everyone that died uh, marked as a coronavirus death actually died from coronavirus. They just actually had, yeah, uh, there, yeah, they may have died from something else. There's some of that, and it's weird because the the less dangerous that we find out it is, the more strict." They're doubling down on the mask. I mean, there are people that will, like, threaten to shoot you if you don't have a mask on or something. I yeah. don't understand it. It's like the less we find out it's bad, the more we're digging in 
to I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't, yeah, I, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I get I get that. I get that side of it for sure. I mean, um it's definitely and it, it you know, it's it's just one of those things that's like um it's it's easy to jump on one hard side or the other on this thing. But, you know, it's it's still it's still just one of those things like um you know, it we it's so early. We don't know for sure, but I think, you know, obviously we uh we did too much at some point and then not enough at other points it's like uh it's we're going to be able to look at this in a few years and and be able to look at it at better you know i think yeah i think when you're in it it's just hard to tell and people don't hate me well just it's just my opinion but i think we're going to look back at this in a few years and it'll be like the most embarrassing silly thing that we ever i don't i just don't understand it any of it i don't understand it yeah, I you know there's a statistic I need to I don't know how true it is, but it said about as many people have committed suicide from losing their jobs and the economy tanking that would have died from the projected worst case scenarios of the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't seen I haven't seen that data either. It's just weird, and I might be wrong, but from where I'm looking at it, it just seems like we've changed everything about our entire lives and torched our economy to the ground over something that's about as bad as the flu yeah so that's yeah. just what i'm saying yeah. i just feel I don't like know that's what the, weird. i don't know what the total number is like that versus the flu um i one thing you'd have to look at like you'd have to almost prorate it i mean if if you could ever find the data and, and be sure about it i mean you'd almost have to prorate it because i mean you couldn't say year-long flu versus covid so far because it hasn't even been a year so i mean you have to figure out what that rate is and i don't know yeah i don't know um, but uh yeah, I mean, for a certain subset of the population, it is quite dangerous, like more dangerous than the flu. But then for the entire subset, it's not. So then it's like there's a debate there. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, um, you know, I, I think maybe the response should have been, and at, we didn't know till later, but I think the response should have been like, we need to do this to protect some of those that are the least, the the most likely to to be harmed from this, even though it's a small percentage. But you know, you know, there's still deaths from it, so. So maybe our response maybe should have been like, not just everyone's like, you know, these people need to be shielded from it and figure out a way to shield those people from it. And then I think maybe a lot of people that aren't so susceptible could have uh, been out there a little bit more. You See, know? what you just said was what I just heard, uh, I think, Sam Tripoli say on his podcast. Yeah. He said, we got 350 million people in the country and only about 250,000 of them that fall into this really... Yeah. Uh, vulnerable category so he's like why don't why didn't we just quarantine the point zero 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 whatever percent yeah, sure instead of 350 million people yeah i don't know i'm yeah. not i'm not a planner i don't know i think i think what it was and and you know i don't think i don't think i'm not gonna go conspiracy full conspiracy theory on it i think it was like the worry they decided to do this and and like when you worry you do more than probably what you should but uh, hopefully in the hindsight, you know, I don't want to look back at it in a couple of years and be like, man, that all was just a terrible mistake. I'd rather look at it. Like we just like over prepared and did way more than what we should have. And we learned from it. But, um, but you know, it's one of those things like you almost hope that you did too much, but then, you know, it did help some. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like one thing that, that we're not, real good at that you and I are good at is like when they said to stay home and stay away from people, um, and not, not even mentioning the job stuff. Like it, 
when when you challenge Americans like, hey, just kind of stay away from people for a little bit till we figure this thing out. I just think some people aren't good at that. They just always <laughs> have to go to places where there's a tons of tons of people. Yeah. And they just always like have to, you know, I think if we could have dialed that back a little bit, um, you know, and, and that's not even like um, buying into it totally. It's just like, you know, I, I don't think that people are real good at 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 just staying home and being happy at home. I think that could have helped some, it, you know, that could have helped if, you know, that could, you know, whatever they say, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. I just think people aren't real good at that. Yeah. You know, they don't like to be at home and you and I do. You know? Oh yeah. That was no problem. I literally didn't change my life at all. And I quarantined. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, stay home and just go to work and not be around anybody. I'll just keep doing what I've been doing for years. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, obviously right, right. Whenever we had the most numbers, I mean, you just had people just like, not even, not even, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'd be a big deal to go to the store, but what I mean is like to go to like a big party with like 500 people. It's like in, and they're all like packed in. I mean, even if you had like the flu season at its worst, that's not a good idea either. No. And what's funny is I remember in years past, in fact, I think last year was one of the worst years for the flu in a long time. And I remember talking to a teacher friend of mine and, and you're, you're, you do that as well. So you'll know. And it's funny because they were just like, oh, yeah, the kids are dropping like flies. We had 114 go home yesterday, and we had 72 go home the day before that. And uh, everybody, they just, life went on, and the yeah. kids got better, and they came back to school the next yeah. week. It's so, to me, it's so weird, which I get we were scared. I was even scared at first until I look, people, look at the math. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. Just do the math. It's not that bad. And I know people that have it. Some people have it real bad. So, you know what? Like I said, I did a COVID little mini episode here a couple of months ago or a few months ago. You have a, if you're afraid of dying from it, you have a better chance of getting hit while crossing the street. You have a better chance of dying in a thousand other ways. It's funny because a lot of the same people that are harping about this weigh 400 pounds and are diabetics yeah. and eat 17 cheeseburgers every day. Yeah. But they're telling me that, you know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, I get what you're saying. It's, 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 it's like almost like misplaced. And I think one thing is, I think the wokeness, I think people, uh, you know, went real extreme on it and, and, uh, yeah. And then like shunning people that, I don't know, it's just too much. I mean, it's like, it's just like misplaced anger and misplaced, like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to put my finger on it. I mean, yeah. it's still, and like I said, it's still, it's not new, but it, but it is kind of new. I mean, cause it's, it's still less than a year, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll like we said, we'll look back and see what this looks like. Uh, I don't think it's going to look great. Um, I don't know. One, one problem is I think that we have some leadership that they can't decide. I mean, I, I, I just don't think we have good leadership. Um, I don't know. I think we have someone that's kind of out for themselves and they want to look good and, uh, above all else and that that can't be good <laughs> you know i mean that can't that's that's not leadership leadership's like if you if you're willing to say yeah I, I made a bad call or i said this and then i said that and yeah i'm flip-flopping but we you know there's nothing wrong with admitting like okay i learned something that was a mistake but but the person i'm talking about has never said they made a mistake uh, and I don't think you can be a leader if you can't admit that you've made mistakes. Maybe, but, maybe we've never made him. Maybe he's never made a mistake. Uh, probably. <laughs> no, probably not. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that's but that's that's not even a COVID thing. That's just a thing in general. Yeah, and I, you know, I I don't know why. I guess people get really really fired up about that. I guess I just did too, so I can't really say anything. But well, I don't think I don't think didn't seem like you got fired up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just feel like I'm living in the twilight zone every time. It's weird walking into Walmart and you you put your mask on. Yeah. And you hear these loudspeakers out in the parking lot that are like, be sure to social distance. Yeah. Do not place your hands on your face. Please wear your mask. And it's like, this it feels so Orwellian. Oh, yeah. It's so bizarre, yeah. man. Yeah. It's so but, bizarre. I mean, in, in that vein, like, I don't really even mind the mask. I've been wearing them for a while now. They don't. It doesn't really bother me. To me, it's it's like a small thing. I mean, it's I I some people have tried to act like it's a really big thing, but it's just like a cloth on your mouth and on your mouth. It's like I'm this winter. It might feel kind of good if we're still wearing those. <laughs> it's really cold and you're running or, or walking and have it on your. I don't know, keep your uh, lips from getting chapped or whatever. But I'm just saying it's that's. I mean, if if there's a chance that it could help something, I didn't mind to to take the sacrifice. Some people acted like that was like the mask was like a conditioning thing. Like, well, the mask and then this and then this and then this. And then they go all conspiracy theories like, it's the first thing. How does it feel, sheeple? You know, it's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't think they knew. I don't really think that's that was anything. I don't think they knew. I think it's just like, well, maybe try it. And it's like, well, okay, maybe. Okay, I'll try it. I'm not going to. You know, yeah. Say I'm, it's the worst I'm, thing. In the I'm world. more. I'm more on the side. Well, we differ on that. I'm more on the side of the conspiracy theorists. Yeah. I. I think. I don't know because even on the side of the uh, on the medical mask box, it says it doesn't protect from like virus particulates or something like that. And I think a lot of it's like face cap. You go to, sometimes you'll go out and someone's just got like a handkerchief over their mouth. Well, that's yeah. In that kind of stuff, I mean, there there have been some stuff. Some some research that has come out that said hey this thing that you guys think is working or helping at all it's not helping half of them don't do shit yeah Yeah. so yeah i I, you know i totally agree with that and then like i have the one that like you can squeeze in it and it it's pretty tight right here yeah but i mean if 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 that's just open i mean that's just going out so that couldn't help no yeah like put your hand in front of your face people and exhale yeah it just goes out. All you're doing with the mask is changing the direction that it comes out of your mouth. Those yeah, ma- you know, I don't know. They're now, just they're just hope they're just hoping that it catches something. Now, if and, you and, sneeze or cough, yeah, that mask yeah. is going to catch most of the yeah. droplets and shit. And to me, to me, it's like you know the people that the the medical people that that say that the mask might help. They're they're saying that it's a small chance that it would help. I mean, not a great chance, but um, but it's just one of those things. It's like it's the mask isn't for me. It's for someone else. So if they think it might help, I'll wear it and I won't complain about it instead of it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to just be one of those people that go to walk in Walmart and I'm like, I'm not fucking wearing it. You know? Yeah, no, I, I'm not that way either. Yeah. Even though in, in my heart of hearts, I think it's all complete bullshit and ridiculous. Yeah. I put it on. Yeah. Cause some people are genuinely scared. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to be in this stupid ass store 12 yeah. minutes to get whatever. And I'll be out. I'll put I the mean, mask people, on. I mean, obviously it's got to do something. Cause some of those ones that, that people have wear the blue ones. I mean, that's what the people in medical profession wear you know, all the time when they see patients, especially patients that are like, you know, have a compromised immune system. So yeah. they, so I mean, they obviously have to do something or, I mean, cause they've been wearing those forever, you yeah. know, in hospitals that's and the one stuff. I, that's the ones I have. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's got to do something. The rate at what it does is, is debatable, but I mean, I, I don't think that it does nothing. I mean, I think, um, it's, I mean, it might be like a small, like a really small chance. I mean, it's not, 
it's not like a condom or something, you know, <laughs> obviously nothing's getting through that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway. Well, that, that wraps up our COVID corner. I don't know even why we did that. Everybody's probably COVID so sick of corner. I come to Donald We Mantis haven't really even talked that. about it and it's not even, you know, it's not even relevant to our podcast and it's not even something that, you know, I don't have a strong opinion either way on this thing. Uh, I'll just, uh, I'll just follow the advice that I kind of always follow. It's like, uh, to me and I, and I listen enough podcasts and read enough science and a huge Carl Sagan fan, obviously it's like, you almost have to go with the scientific consensus, um, because most of the time you're best if you do. And because, I mean, that's, that's what gets us, you know, all the fancy gadgets that we have. Uh, so, I mean, obviously sometimes they'll be wrong. Sometimes they'll be right, but it's like, uh, you know, you go with the consensus and you can question the consensus for sure. And you can read about it and you can be come informed and stuff like that. But ultimately we're probably not as individuals going to do the science ourselves. So we've got to look at, uh, who we trust. And if, and if you're really worried about it, you should go to, you know, peer reviewed journals, scientific journals and read those conclusions. I mean, and there's a ton of those and people are always trying to prove those wrong because if you prove a, you know, some kind of scientific finding wrong, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're famous then, you know, it's like, Hey, this, this guy did the experiment or this guy or girl did the experiment a different way. And they found this. So, I mean, there, there's some, uh, there's like, um, you know, there's drive to, to, to prove things wrong that are scientifically. And, you know, we talk about all the time. I mean, that that's one thing that science doesn't care. Now does, they don't care about, they don't care to be proved wrong. In fact, they'd rather, but then, but then you take that and then you take just the, the, the quick hits on the media. Then that's when, they're just going to cherry pick the science. So, I mean, it's up to any individual to say, okay, is this the real science or is it being cherry picked? So if it's something that you feel super strongly about, I mean, you could go and kind of chase those links, but almost they don't want us to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, my story didn't really mean crap because there's all this evidence that's against it. But you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. So yeah, that's, um, but I mean, I'm not saying that I know, even know in that case what the scientific consensus is, but you know, generally that's, that's where I try to be. Um, um, but obviously everyone gets busy and it's hard to always know exactly where, what that is. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, I think podcasts are so important because you get, you get a guest that's like a neuroscientist or you get a guest that's like a biologist and you really got to stop and be like, okay, I'm listening to this guy, you know, I mean, or this guy or girl, because it's like you know, that's where they live and, and they're not about, you know, they're not, you know, they don't get anything for saying what they're saying. You know, they, they're not trying to, you know, pull in fans or viewers or whatever. They're just like, here's what I work with every day. And here's what I'm looking at in the lab. And here's what we found. And yeah. that's, that's where you almost have to live because, you know, they're not trying to, you know, they don't have any like skin in the game to, to fool you. But there are people that do, and you got to almost have to figure out a way to, to find that out. Uh, and that's very tough. Um, that's why we're in some of the situations we're in. Well, yeah, and my suggestion would be to anyone, eat clean, try to eat sure. healthy. Oh, yeah, and that's always going to be. Uh, take you, vitamins. Vitamins work. Yeah. I had, oh, yeah. A, I had a full blood work done on, on myself, and it told me exactly what vitamins you know, I take. I take a whole handful every day. And then there's just all kinds of things that, you know, the healthier you keep yourself, the better your immune system is. Oh, yeah. Um, my wife works in the medical field. Her and her boss were actually told they 
uh, we're not allowed to recommend things to boost the immune system. Oh. And I don't know why that is, but yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny. There's just so many people, they'll eat absolute garbage and they're overweight, but they just want to wear their mask and hide and wait till we can take some pills or some shots or something. But man, be advantageous about it. Like just be healthy. Yeah. That's no, Uh, your immune system is a real thing that exists and it does protect you from certain things. Yeah. And it's actually the best thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the other stuff is just, you know, band-aids on bullet wounds almost, you know, it's yeah. like if, if, yeah, you're right. I mean, just, just, uh, and also like clean frame of mind, like, um, I don't know, just trying to stay positive. I think, I think that's something hard for science to prove, but it's just like positive mindset, you know, um, stuff like that. I mean, that's just better for everyone, better for everyone around you and stuff like that. So. Yeah. One good, one good case study in that or, or something to prove that would be Cody, yeah. For what, eight or 10 years now? Uh, he, now look, I've never met anybody that monitored what they eat more. I mean, it's only like local, what's uh, Richard's Meat Market? Or oh, is that? yeah. Yeah. Only, love- only the choicest of whatever cuts from that place. And I mean, he, monit- oh, that's awesome. he monitors every nanogram of food that he eats because <laughs> he's trained. He trains. He does nothing but yeah. train. Yeah. He drinks nothing but water, you know. He eats the four or five small meals a day and then does his powerlifting and stuff. But he told me the other day that he hasn't been sick at all. Oh, yeah. In eight, nine years. Remember Not that, once. Remember that movie, uh, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, uh, Unbreakable or whatever? Oh, yeah, with uh, uh, Bruce Willis? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. was it? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was that guy. He was like, I haven't been sick. He went into his job and, and he was talking to some guys. There. He goes, I haven't called in sick a day in like so many years and, yeah and the guy's like okay okay you'll get your raise and that's not what he's even going for remember that scene yeah i do yeah, yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah cody yeah you're right i mean go going back to that i mean that's 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 great advice i mean and he's in and you know it's kind of like if i eat bad like crap food like you feel bad like in and, and uh like you are what you eat and and that's that's a really good you know, I'm not a perfect eater and I, you know, we eat snacks and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, like if I eat like pizza and then Italian food the next night, which pizza is Italian, but I'm talking about like pizza, then like noodles and then like some kind of crazy sloppy Joe's and stuff and like big giant bacon cheddar fries. Like, like you eat those few days in a row and you, you, you kind of have a bad attitude about stuff, you know, it's like everything kind of hits you wrong and you feel tired. You're trying to take naps and stuff, but then you eat some, good salad with you know chicken and you know it's like you know uh and and you don't load it down with a bunch of crappy dressing i like the balsamic vinaigrette i mean you're gonna feel you're just gonna feel better you're gonna feel better you're gonna act better people are you're gonna affect the people in your life in a more positive way you know i I don't know i mean your body's a machine and uh it's a high performance machine and i heard somebody say one time it's the most marvelous piece of equipment you'll ever own you know it's like you know it's like so treat it that way i mean don't put the the always save motor oil in it you know (laughs) put in quaker state man some quaker state goddamn quaker state hand (laughs) 30 so i mean yeah i mean all that stuff's important yeah yeah we're preaching we're we're totally preaching sure i don't know why well i mean it's like everyone knows this stuff but sometimes you hear somebody else say it's like yeah i need to shape up so if we're gonna do that for you i we you know and, and and we listen to this ourselves, so we can listen back and be like, hey, yeah. Yeah. 
And those of you listening, if you you're right, Ivan and Joey, if you agreed with my COVID rant, then by God, hell yeah. If you didn't agree, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. So no, I mean, on. yeah, no, I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's like that's that's what makes the world an awesome place when you can hear someone's side and then be like, well, I agree with some of that. I agree. With, I don't agree with the other part of that, but it doesn't make them a bastard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, man, that makes me mad. He thinks differently about, you know, something. It's like, why should that make you mad? Yeah. I mean, oh, we can't talk anymore. He doesn't believe what I believe. It's like, that's, how could you find someone that believes the exact same? Like you you and me, we disagree fundamentally. Like you have that whole thing where you think women should just be barefoot, pregnant, working in the kitchen and not speaking unless spoken to, and they shouldn't be allowed to vote or drive. And and I, I disagree with all that, but we're still friends. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, the phones are lighting up. <laughs> Go ahead, caller one. Just, I can't believe it. <laughs> Disclaimer, Ivan does not believe any of that stuff. He's not a, wholeheartedly. He's a good man. <laughs> I, I would be a terrible, uh, uh, um, what is it, uh, chauvinist, because I, cause I just kind of feel like, you know, I'd have to commit to it, and I'd have to, like, be forceful with it, and then I'd be like, you know, I'd be laying all this up and be like, oh, never mind, forget what I just said, because <laughs> it's too much work, it's a lot of work, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, a lot of that kind of stuff is too much work. Hating Ra- is raci- work. Racism is work. That's a lot of work. Because you have to say, hey, I don't like you, why not? Oh, is it the color of my skin? Wait, no, no, not that. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It, it's it's the way you talk. It's like yeah. really the way I talk. I talk just like you. I live in the same area forever. Oh no, no, it's not that. Uh, get a job, man. It's like I've worked longer than you. Like, <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I don't. It's like you know because you have to almost you can't just basically you can't come right out and say oh, I don't like you because you're color. You know, so, yeah. So I mean, you almost have to be a dishonest person to be racist because. I mean, I guess some people might be really honest racist people. I don't like you because you're a different color. Right. You know, it's right. like, but then you can never be that clear with it because as soon as you say it, like, there's got to be a part of your brain, even if you're a stupid racist, there's got to be a part of your brain that's like, yeah, but what I just said doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. No. So, I mean, you almost have to be sidestep it. Yeah. That's, it's that's it's mental work. gymnastics. Yeah. You just got to mind screw yourself into, well, I don't, I don't. It's not just because of the color of skin. It's because of all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, well, give me an example. It's like, well, I could give you plenty, but I don't feel like it. I, I don't have to explain myself to you. Wouldn't it be nice? I feel like we're all born with baggage. Oh, yeah. I think, like, wouldn't it be nice if people could just, if you just weren't, you know, you if you're, you are who you are, don't be bound by any of this crap from the past of, you know, uh, I just think, I don't know. If whatever color or who, whatever sex you are or whatever, you're just you and you're not responsible or for anything bad. I hate it when people judge a whole group of people on one or two people. Sure. You're not that. You're just you. You're an individual. So just be yourself and don't worry about any baggage that yeah. your culture has or that your race has or, you know, that your sex has. In the old, I mean, I can't remember kind of how it's said, but basically whatever you think about them is is obviously something you find wrong in yourself yeah that you're projecting on them so if you're if you're one to you know it's it's the whole and there's some buddhism buddhism stuff like that buddhism 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 stuff like that's what i subscribe to baby whatever whatever (laughs) i'm sorry that was so stupid sorry (laughs) i just caught it i I started i kept talking i was like wait a second (laughs) 
But uh, it's it's just like whatever 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 you put off on somebody else and whatever you spew towards them, it's really because there's a part of you that, it, and it's somewhere near that that's just weak and broken and like like you, you know you know it's like a wounded animal. Like I'm in the corner, I'm wounded, I'm real you know um, susceptible to be hurt. So uh, oh wait, I can't be hurt if I'm the one that hurts. If you're the aggressor, you yeah, know? yeah. So it's just like, you know, there's a lot of that. And then uh, whatever you, you know, I don't know, you just, you see what's wrong in the world because there's something wrong in your heart and in your inner world. So it's like, uh, obviously there's things that are wrong in the world, but I will say this, problems, uh, anyone can point out a problem. Uh, I, I, it's and It's important to point out a problem, but, What's really hard is to say, here's a problem, here's a potential solution. Yeah. So like in the same, like in the same breath, like that's more difficult and that's worth it that, that you would say, well, here's a problem that we have, but here's a solution. Or you can be the type of person and, and you, everyone's worked with this type of person that can only put out problems. Well, what do we do about it? I don't know, but it's bullshit. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, well, you know, if, if I'm a boss or something, you know, I'm a higher up and be like, well, I want, I want to hear your problem and your solution, you know, because, you know, I don't have to just do all this on my own. Like you don't just get to point out all the problems and not in, and, and not take some ownership in it and help me figure out something, uh, to a way to make it better. Uh, because if you do that, it makes me think that you don't want it to be better. Yeah. You're just you like just bitching. like, you just like to complain. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I think I see in the world a lot too. It's like, it's like you, you don't want it fixed. You, and, but you think you want it fixed, but if you did, you would be a part of the solution, not part of the problem and not just a part of the person that not part of the world that would just all the time throw, you know, throw other people down and, you know, just, just point out how miserable everything is. Everyone knows somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes ever, even the best people can be that for a day or so, but yeah. then it's like, Hey, snap back. That's yeah. not you. Come on, yeah. come on back to the, come on back to the light side, man. <laughs> so, Hey. We fixed a lot of problems right there. Yep. Uh, replay that and fix the world's problems. I don't even know <laughs> what the hell we just talked thing. about. Yeah. Yeah. We're 53 minutes in. So, uh, hey, we hope you like that. If you didn't, you could have fast forwarded or, you know, something. hit yeah. that 30 second ahead button a few yeah. times. Yeah. 20 times. Until you hear me say, so back to George Adamski. <laughs> 10 yeah, years man. after he headed to Laguna Beach. George had a bit of a cult going on, and he needed a better place to operate from. He moved the group of then, they were about 20 followers, uh, to a ranch near a Palomar Mountain, and with funding from his followers, they purchased 20 acres there four years later. On this land, they built a new home, a campground, an observatory with a six-inch reflective telescope, and even a cafe on the section that ran along Highway S6. The group would spend their days studying philosophy, religion, farming the land, and at night George would give hours-long lectures to anyone who'd listen. Along with his students were a revolving group of tourists, curiosity seekers, and admirers. Not far from the farm was the Palomar Observatory, and due to George's purported intellect and his uh, possession of a private observatory, people assumed he was associated with Palomar. Many even referred to him as Professor Adamski, but in truth, he didn't even pass third grade, let alone attain a college degree. However, George rarely took the time to correct those who addressed him as professor. Professor. Professor Adamski. It's, it reminds me of uh, um, uh, Gilligan's Island. Do you think that guy was really a professor? No, hell no. Well, he can make radio out of a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> that should be like when you get hired at a university. It's like, okay, first, 
before you're hired here, we have a coconut and some boat parts. Yeah. You need to make a working radio. You need to make a working radio. It shouldn't be actually too hard. I don't know enough about it, but uh, you ever get that like amplifier and you're plugging your guitar into it? This has happened a few times with this P- this old PA I used to have. And have you ever picked up radio frequencies on a on like oh a, for sure yeah so yeah. I mean there's got to be I know there's like radio crystals and frequencies and stuff like that but I mean maybe it's not as hard as you'd think can't you like plug shit into a potato and it powers it or something well you can make a potato battery yeah that's yeah how do you do that well it's uh it's like do you need like ionized water or something no weird? I think well maybe but I know that kind of the way a battery works in in a sense is like you have two different types of metal. And like one type of metal wants to give up electrons and one wants to gain it. So you like put two, like two nails of different metals in a potato. And I think what happens in the potatoes, like an electrolyte. Is there like a copper wire across the nails or something? Or is it? Well, what it's doing is it's going through the potato from one nail in the potato to the other nail. Okay, okay. It's losing electrons and, and you're actually able to pick up a small amount of current. That's crazy. I mean, you're not starting a car with it. (laughs) But, you know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey listen my battery died i need a couple of bags of idaho spuds and i'm gonna and some nails <laughs> i just wonder if there's a way to step up the voltage if you had like a semi-trailer full of potatoes and <laughs> and it like you know a 50 pound box of nails if you <laughs> what's that that's my car battery it's like oh wow that's that's small uh, but anyway, <laughs> but I just wonder if you, I wonder if you could get enough to start a car. I don't That's, know. That'd be a funny myth. Well, there has to be, all you'd have to do was is get a big old baking, baking potato and stick those nails in there and then measure how many amps. Yeah. But maybe like point half point zero one amps per you'd potato have to or something. Out, so, I mean, if you wired it in series or parallel, there's something that happens like series like series will bump up voltage, but the amp's small, but then parallel, it bumps up amp, but the voltage is small. So oh. I don't know. There's some kind of thing there. I can't really put my my finger on it, but uh, yeah, I, there's something like that. Okay. But yeah, that's, that's cause they actually, uh, um, one of the, er, some of the earliest batteries were just like in jars. Yeah. The Baghdad battery. Yeah. The yeah. clay jar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's 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 all I know about batteries. That's what Cleopatra used to power her Baghdad. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. Her Baghdad uh, something wholesome. What's bad something? Boy. Bad boy. The Baghdad bad boy. That's what they the call Patriot it. missile. No. <laughs> Let's uh, let me see really fast before we move on. Since it's Friday night and we're having a good time. Let's do potato. I, man, Friday I'm telling night you. I crashed your what's party. happening is I'm looking at the, both screens and I'm spelling everything like a third grader. Uh, oh, there it is. There's three potatoes and they have amp meters. Okay, so let's find out uh, how many amps or I don't know. It wouldn't be volts. It'd have to be amps. Well, it's it's uh, DC. Okay. So, oh, okay, okay. yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Oh, this is Science Fair Project on Science Buddies. We are we are in search of of how much power does a potato possess? And we should, then we need a we need a video. I know that you need like what five fifty or six hundred cold cranking amps to start your car or something. Some, what, yeah, what are those batteries. <laughs> so we, then we could extrapolate the potato amps and find out how many it would take to start a a ninety four Honda Accord. <laughs> I like it. It's so specific. It has to be. <laughs> It has to be that it car. It has to be that car, even though neither one of us have ever even owned one of those. 
<laughs> it's a pretty common car, so I'm I'm guessing. Let's see. I'm gonna type this in. Uh... Those of you listening, thank you for listening. This is episode I think 95 <laughs> or 96. I don't know, but listen, we are gonna do. A whole long ass series on the Golden Era conductees, contactees. I can't conduct. I'm, I've got electricity on the brain. But yeah, um, George Adamski. This is going to be part one. We're going to do another part of him, and then the rest of them. I think we can wrap up like on an episode per person. But there's some really, really interesting stuff coming up with these guys. Yeah, and hey, this is kind of like science fiction. That's that's uh look that's what i was saying like one's a copper nail and one's a steel nail nice and i saw she showed her amp meter but i didn't see what yeah i didn't see point, the voltage point zero. Or let's see what i will show it at the end right there is right there it is so it's loading there it is 1.7 it looks like where's her dial at ohms think, not ohms no no ohms is resistance I yeah, think it's yeah right here yeah. i think it's volt volts one, one volt that really yeah yeah so yeah so one get nine of those and you could run a, a distortion pedal. <laughs> <laughs> We're the battery boys. The and they have a bunch of batteries in front of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> they have a uh, potato awesome. song or something. Mr. Yeah. Potato Head. Yeah. That's We're the cool. Mr. Potato Heads. All our amps are ran with battery power yeah. or from a potato. The, show, the show's only going to be half of one song. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's all we got. No, I don't know. That's so silly. <laughs> I like it, though. So uh, <laughs> by this time, it's 1946, unless you had anything to add about the potatoes. No, I'm done Why with does that. it keep bringing up Percival Lowell? Oh, I was going to talk about him. I'll talk about him later. Okay. Uh, by 1946, George, he's in his mid-50s now, and uh, you know he'd fought and he'd had a hell of a life. He'd fought in the cavalry, gotten heavy into, into theosophy, philosophy, religion, managed to illegal, uh, legally sell illegal hooch. And it started his own cult. That's a lot more than I've done. I'm not 50 yet, but still. (laughs) I plan to start my own cult one of these days. We probably will. Yeah. Uh, But what George Adamski would ultimately be remembered for was yet to come. During a meteor shower on the night of October 9th, 1946, my parents' anniversary, George and part of his group claimed to have seen a cigar-shaped spacecraft hovering over the campgrounds. In fact, George started seeing all kinds of UFOs over the ranch, even claiming to have witnessed 184 on one single night in the summer of 1947. So during, I wonder which one it was. I'm going to look that up. Uh, Meteor shower. October 9th, 1946. Uh, Let's see. Let's see what the one that, uh, let's see what the one comes up. Orion had. Yeah, that's the one I've... That was the meteor yeah. shower? Yeah. Man, that's it, awesome. Every year, every year, October 21st. This year? Um, well, every year. Because what happens is, like, there's a path, like, so, like, uh, like um, a comet will, like, go around the Earth, and then it leaves, like, a debris tail, yeah. like, a, like a column of it, and then the Earth goes through that debris tail, and that's how they can plan out, like, Orionids, Leonids, and it's all based on like you look towards Orion, Orion, and that's where you see the most. That's where the radiant of the meteors are. So that's how we can map out when these things are going to yeah, pass us. Yeah. almost to the minute, right? Well, I mean, it's like usually like you know like a couple weeks, and then you have like a peak night. Okay, the the night that that you get the most, and that's when we're actually turned going through it, and that's when we're getting the most. And it's just like the size of any anything from like softballs to like Volkswagens. Hopefully never bigger. Yeah. (laughs) If we're lucky lucky. because those are really cool. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's kind of what causes those. Um, so, you know, I kind of see this as these guys that, you know, it's a very, 
uh, even now that we've done a lot of research and we know these are these are going to happen and like you know you can lay out and watch those with your kids. The best one is the one that usually right before school in late August. Um, that's uh, that's uh, Leonid's, I think, but uh, uh, maybe I could be wrong about that. But that's a really cool one, um, and. I could see getting out there and, and it's real mystical, even though you know what's going on. It's real. It's like, beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And it, and I could see these guys being, if they didn't really do what they say, if, you know, if, you know, I, it puts them in a frame of mind and that's, you know, that kind of segues into what you're about to talk about, what they're going to say. But yeah. uh, it's very weird. And it's to, to the point to where, you know, sometimes when I see these things, I know they don't because I've read about it enough to know that it doesn't. But sometimes, have you ever thought that you've heard one? Like, I think your brain, yeah, almost just like fills in the. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, isn't that cool? Isn't yeah. that awesome? Because Man. I've read before that you 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 shouldn't be able to. I right. mean, they're they're in they're in the like um, top layers of the atmosphere that you so you shouldn't be able to hear right, them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Man, the most. Fa- <laughs> I think I've told this uh, story before because I only have four stories and I've told them all before on the podcast. But uh, it's been a few years ago. I have this habit where. I don't. Uh, I haven't done it so much in the past few months, but anyway, uh, off and on, I'll go out before bedtime and lay on the trampoline or the hammock and just stare at the stars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes my toddler will come out there with me. Uh, my daughter, my, my other daughter, Lexi, uh, this has been a couple, two or three years ago. I don't remember exactly. But one night, she, ne- she, would, she never goes out there with me. Mm-hmm. She's just in there doing her own thing inside. That one night, she was like, Dad, I'm going to come out there and lay with you. I was like, awesome. The one time she comes out, we lay on the trampoline. Within, like, minutes, we see the most incredible meteor I've ever witnessed. I bet that was one of the Volkswagen ones. It, it went, That's awesome. It went so long and, and just left a, tra- a trail yeah. across the sky. It, le- it, was, it felt like forever, even though it was probably seven or eight seconds. But, I mean, it just, like, half the sky went across it and then when it petered out the trail was still there for a minute and then it was just amazing oh, i bet yeah that's cool and she was like that was so cool well and then, i mean if you counted to seven i mean you said seven i mean if you one two oh, i mean it, that's a long time it really was yeah and then she was like that's cool i'm gonna go back inside and then she went, <laughs> but anyway so i'm like man i come out you know i've i've stargazed for years yeah and and it took you one time 10 minutes to see yeah. the, the most amazing thing like that but anyway. no that's awesome man <laughs> that's cool that's awesome and she's like okay is it always like that it's like no 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 it's not so yeah. that's cool man that's awesome yeah that's so a good anyway, memory. Alex. She's like, I'm going to go back inside and watch Rick and Morty or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Which is a great choice. <laughs> uh, so George wrote and released a science fiction book called Pioneers of Space. Pioneers of Space. In 1949. His timing was perfect because flying saucer fever was red hot in the U.S. at this point. In the summer of 1952, a series of radar and visual sightings occurred near National Airport in Washington, D.C., the strange lights were attributed to temperature inversions in the air over the city. Bullshit! Maybe. But <laughs> but for the, use the old, the old standby as weather balloons. I can't believe they didn't use those. Anyway. But for those who wanted to believe, <laughs> that explanation was not accepted. Also that year was a sighting of a large flying object over Norfolk, Virginia, reported by two Pan American Airlines pilots. A uh, sighting of three V-shaped craft near Carson Sink, Nevada, also reported by two pilots, and a sighting over Haneda Air Force Base in Tokyo. 
That last one was actually pursued by an F-94 interceptor jet, but after a few seconds, the unknown object sped away from the jet and out of radar range almost instantly. See, I used to say BS about all this, but man, I'll, I'll go back to this. David Fravor. I, yeah, Fravor. I, I, man, I don't make, if they're, if it's a hoax, they've sold a lot of people, including me. I mean, it's just, and even Fravor's that doesn't even say it's UFOs, but it's something, damn it. It's, it's something. something. It is. Yeah. It is something. Even if it's like, let's say like some government and I would say more than likely it's us. Just, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like, American jail. But what I'm trying to say is like, I mean, if you look at military bases around the world and you look at military spending, I mean, a part of me says, you know, I mean, you, you, I'm like thinking of like Iron Man and stuff like in Batman, like the R&D budget uh, to like create something awesome like that. And obviously, yeah, one, you'd keep it top secret. Obviously, two, like, yeah. If something comes out, let's blame it on the aliens and and pivot in a way to where people think it's aliens. Yeah. Because that's the best way to make them think that it's not anything that we have. But I just think um, I'd be more liable to say that it's something, some tech. I mean, look at look at look at SR seventy one, the Blackbird. The Blackbird, dude, yeah. that thing looks like a UFO. Yeah, but that I thing mean, is amazing. So it's crazy. If if I Google, I want I want to get this timeline right because. Mm-hmm. Because it makes me either uh, sound brilliant or stupid if I, if I'm wrong about this timeline. I'm gonna say it's in the in the 70s or before. Oh, I was thinking of the stealth bomber. Yeah, I'm talking about that. Yeah, guy. that thing. That thing's badass too. That looks like a Batmobile in in the air. Or something. So look, developed in the 60s. That thing was Lockheed Martin developed it in the 60s. Damn. And, and I don't remember even hearing about this thing until like the eighties or nineties. Right, right, right. So what I'm saying is like that thing was so far advanced and it's, it went for, you know, 20, 30 years before it became like common. You think they developed it at area 51? Well, I'm just saying like, whatever we know they have is like more, they have more than what we think they have. I heard, I hope so. And, but some people think it's like this much more, like I'm holding up like three inches, but it no, could that be looks like seven, inches. 20 feet. You know, we don't know. We don't know if it's like, you know, the breakthrough of, you know, like it, like in Star Trek, the the engines work because it like warps time and space and it throws the spacecraft forward. You know, it's right. Like, you right. know, it's like they could have they could have figured that out. And and if they did, they they made some kind of jump. Wouldn't it be like we don't want anyone to know, including our own people. It's like they got men in black kind of like. You know, and, and I try to be, I try to stay scientific, but then I start talking about this and I get really stupid. Uh, because, no, not stupid. Interesting. But I mean, it's like, it's like, I love it. I don't know. It's almost like, well, we can't let this part of the government know. So we're going to have like two parts of government and, and we're going to have like one part of government that knows this. And, you know, it's going to be like, if you tell, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill you and we're going to kill your family. We're going to kill everyone. That's that the men in black type stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like. There's no way that it would ever get out. Uh, I don't know. I just think about that. I mean, that's probably not true or plausible, but I mean, that's it could be. So everyone knows about the men in black, just a really quick aside. But, you know, nobody really talks about the Mirage men. 
they kind of came after the men in black. It was yeah, a I don't whole, know much about it. Okay, so you're right. At first, these guys would show up, and people who had uh, claimed to uh, seen UFOs or be abducted or whatever, you know, they would threaten them. Yeah. Well, that kind of changed. I listened to a really interesting podcast about it. I can't remember what the name of it was. But the Mirage men all of a sudden showed up and said, hey, I'm with the government. I heard that uh, you caught some kind of cool signal on your ham radio and you saw something. Uh, I want to help fund your research. And so what they would do is they would, under the guise of helping these people, Mm -hmm. they would do that, but then they would make them sign these uh, confidentiality waivers and shit where they could never share it outside the government. There's some really interesting people that, that really did a lot of research like as soon and then and then as soon as one guy like obviously i mean i think i think this would actually happen one guy be like oh the right thing to do is to tell the public okay so then then there's one kook that everyone thinks oh he's sharing this with the public either that or he must be crazy either that or he has an act quote unquote accident yeah (laughs) yeah i mean hey uh, we we talk about other countries we talk about like uh jamal Kaso Shikoji, how do you how do you say his name? Uh, I don't know who's that. Who's Jamal. Uh, who is that? I can't think of. I can't pronounce his last name. Kasoji, Kasoji, or something like that. Who's he? He's a Jewish guy that was uh, basically um, um, killed by his government. Um, oh, like can't... Alexander Litvinenko? Yeah, something like that. He was Kasoji. outspoken against the Russian government and then died yeah. of plutonium two twelve or Kasoji. something. Kasoji. Yeah, so Saudi. He's Saudi. Sorry, I said Jewish, but oh, Saudi. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, he was assassinated, and they think that the Saudis had everything to do with it. Probably uh, so. I mean, I'm not even comfortable talking about that too much on the podcast. But, okay, uh, sure. That's just our, you know. That's yeah, what I mean, that's what that's what a lot of people think. You know that that you know he was doing something that the 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 brothers of the Saudi brothers didn't like, right. and. Uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, a columnist and uh, he was taken out. So, I mean, we talk about other countries all the time. Americans talk about, hey, this country poisoned this guy. The the Russians poisoned this guy. The the These guys killed this guy. But you notice how it doesn't, we don't talk about it a lot about uh, on American soil. Right. Um, well, we're the, we got the best funded government. We got the most money. We're number one, numero uno. Uh, you, you, you would think. If we wanted to, there'd be ways to do it, and it would never be talked about. I don't know if any of these attempts were on American soil, but we tried to kill Fidel Castro like 15 times. Yeah. yeah. And failed every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe that he was in Cuba at the time, though, but anyway. Well, yeah, but I mean, on our own soil, if there's some secret society. I guarantee I'm not talking happened. about government. I'm just saying, like, skull and crossbones, like, they want someone dead. Uh, they can do it, and it's no problem. Oh, sure. I mean, look, sure. What, look what happened to Epstein. I mean, uh you know, obviously that's the big thing. Like he didn't kill himself, but I mean, um, I don't know. It's like, it, it seems like we talk about other countries more than we talk about ours as far as these things go. Yeah. The and Ep- I'm just talking about what like real general stuff I've seen on the news. I like that you brought up the Epstein thing though. I think that was where these events kind of jumped the shark. I think that was one where I don't know anybody that accepts that official story. Like, no. Oh, really? Like four guards fell asleep, the lights went out, the power went off, the cameras went off all at the same time for the same, you know, I don't know a single person that's like, yeah. no, I think that's legit. But, but I mean, yeah, you, no, totally. But what happened? What's happened? I right. Mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't think anything. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, they talked about in it being an investigation or whatever, yeah. but, um, I mean, listen, 
go to the grocery store. Look, look up, look up in the the ceilings. You're going to see cameras everywhere. Yeah, when you step around the other end of the aisle where no one's on that aisle, and you dig in your butt because it itches, or you pick your nose. Yeah, someone's watching that. Someone's watching you. Yeah, someone saw you yeah. do that. And I mean, if <laughs> if if you wanted to investigate someone digging in the butt you could launch an investigation you could have all the facts you needed if that were an illegal thing it would be an open and shut case but there can't be cameras there can't be solid evidence from a federal prison like i, I don't know can you imagine a courtroom and they have a big monitor <laughs> you can see the defendant clearly clearly placing his forefingers inside the crack of his age yeah objection objection your honor that is uh that's uh, I like the thing in Liar Liar. It's like that's why why what's the objection for? It's terribly damaging to my case. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> well, we'll have to take a recess unless you think, of course, you can proceed. Can you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. I can. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Jim Carrey gets a lot of hate, uh, um, but come on, watch that movie again. It's 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 a masterful. Hey. Uh, thing I saw uh, on the ticker the other day is he's the Biden. He's coming back to SNL, and he's going to be the Biden. <laughs> Jim Carrey's yeah. going to be Joe Biden. I bet he'll nail oh, it. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a master. He'll, oh. he'll nail it. Yeah. So uh, I figure they might try to get Carvey or something, uh, but uh, I don't know. Um, Alex, Ka- Alec Baldwin does a good job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. I, I still like SNL. I mean, I don't watch it. Like I used to, but but there'll always be a soft spot in my heart to where I can never just totally bail on SNL. Right. I mean, it's always kind of funny. They have their down years, but uh, the, actually, our favorite years. If you go back and read what the critics and everyone had to say, I mean, they just trashed it. at the time. Yeah. 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 Sandler, yeah. Farley, they thought those guys were just terrible. Right. And I mean, uh, which I mean, maybe at the time. For most people, they were, but not for us. Boy, and, I remember those coming on live. Yeah, I did you too. Know? I mean, Saturday Night Live, that was the thing. Yeah, oh yeah, I didn't miss it. No, dude, yeah. no matter what you did, you were in front of that TV at, what, 10.30 or 11? Uh, it would have been, let's see, the news, 10.30. Yeah, it would have been at 10.30. Okay. Here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that. And like, who's the musical guest going to be? I think and, it would be. I mean, yeah. dude, I remember watching Nirvana live. Yeah, I did too. Play oh, Smells yeah. Like Teen Spirit yeah. on Oh, there, me dude. too. Me too. That's I, so cool. I watched the uh, um, the uh, uh, motivational speaker. Um, Matt I, Foley. Matt Foley. I watched that live. I did too. I, I did remember too. I got back to school uh, on Monday and I was like, did you guys see that? And yeah. me and my friends are all talking about Marty it. Marty freaking yeah. dog. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, oh, for I got, sure. I get nostalgic too. Yeah. Mike Myers. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Welcome for sure. to Sprockets. Yeah, anyway. and when you go back and read about that stuff, it was uh, it's kind of sad to go back and read about. It's really interesting, but you know, you had like these camps, like you had a Sandler Farley camp, and then you had uh, like a Mike Myers Carvey camp, and you like had like these different camps and people trying to get on, and it was kind of cutthroat. And it really? wasn't. I always thought that you know they kind of got along better, but really. Really, it almost had to be because everyone wanted to get the airtime. They wanted to get their their, their skits, skin on yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so I guess competition brings out. Um, but I, I think from watching the Farley documentary that I watched, the biography not too long ago, he didn't. He was actually he didn't like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, probably a lot of people didn't like that. But he was such a really genuinely nice person, and he just cared about like 
making people laugh. He didn't, he didn't, you know, that just ate him alive. He didn't like all that. You know what really disappointed me is when I found out how Chevy Chase was like. When yeah. He was, oh, yeah. He was an absolute dick. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. Literally every single person that worked with him on Saturday Night Live said he was a freaking dictator. Yeah. Just and a then dick. when he got the talk show and it failed, there were a lot of people that were glad. Yeah. I still like Chevy and I still, I still like what do he did. Too. But I get what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah. So the, yeah, in the, on the little biography about Farley, uh, I, I love the story about his buddy. And you watched it too, I think. His buddy was talking about when they were in college. I didn't watch it. Oh, man. I didn't get to yet. This is an awesome story. I got to tell it because it's it's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Okay. I'm going to listen while I pee you. Go okay. Ahead. So he was, him and his buddy were in this college speech class and I forgot where they went to college, but basically it was where, uh, where you had to give a speech and like you give it, you, uh, you had to, if you've ever taken one of those classes, you have to give an informational speech and like a how to. And so. Uh, this particular assignment was how to, so you could pick how to anything. Uh, when I was in college, one of, one of the guys that was one of my friends did how to tie a shoe. And he actually, uh, you know, he had it all prepared and he tied a shoe in front of the class, but he did it in a way that was real entertaining. So, and it was funny and it ha- it caught your attention. So he got a fantastic grade on it. So the, co- the subject really doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you can deliver the speech. So they said that uh, in in the speech class that um, Farley had and his friend, his friend was already there and Farley was late. And so as soon as Farley came in, he came in kind of like he did uh, when he was on Conan one time. He was just crazy. He's doing cartwheels and doing all this stuff and like yelling and almost like the early Chris Farley, like acting crazy and doing all the stuff, dancing. And, uh, uh, and he was just talking about random stuff. I can't remember what he said he was talking about. But uh, uh, the professor was like looking at him like this guy is, you know, throwing a rod or something. You know, I was like, <laughs> what's wrong with this guy? And then he was like, at the end of it, he said, ladies and gentlemen, that's how to get attention. You know, and and, and then he just went and sat down in the seat or whatever. Oh, wow. How and, cool. Yeah. And so that was his, his speech. And it, and it was like, you know, hundreds of people in there, like one of those big lecture halls. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it, yeah. And it, it, can you imagine having... The nerve, it's I mean, awesome. you're you almost think that he's bound to be successful at that point. I mean, that's something you'd be like, that guy's going to make it. Yeah. I, I don't know, yeah, because can I can't even imagine. Just seeing a 400-pound man do cartwheels <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, somebody said he's a, like one of the greatest dancers ever. <laughs> yeah, that's like, Remember him and Patrick Swayze? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome. And even, even after that, they were like, man, he outdanced him. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think did Patrick Swayze say that? I think maybe later on. I don't. I can't remember. He's like he did. I mean, during the skit, he's like he's a better dancer than Uh. me. But I think later on in the interview, I think he said that he outdanced him on on that, (laughs) which I think he did. I mean, I think he did too. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. So love Farley. Back to the UFO stuff. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. Don't you dare be sorry about talking about the great Chris Farley. That's the second time in a, in a, just a few weeks we've done that. It so. is. Yeah, I remember talking about the uh, uh, documentaries the other day. Yeah. So, back to George Adamski, y'alls. On a cool night in November of that same year, 1952, George and a few of his friends were out in the Colorado desert, not too far from the town of Desert Center, California. Shortly after the... Is there a Colorado desert in California? That's confusing. But Probably. That's, that's what I read. That's what I wrote. That's what I read. That's what I found in my research. Didn't the Colorado River go that way? So yeah, maybe it does. It's just like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, shortly after the group witnessed a large submarine-shaped object in the sky, George slipped away from his companions and ventured off the main road by himself. Before long, a small scout craft made, a translu- made of translucent metal landed near him, and a human-like figure emerged. This is where it gets interesting, okay? The figure, using hand signals and telepathy, introduced himself as Orthon from the planet Venus. Orthon, I like it. Orthon from the planet Venus. Orthon looked just like a human and was average height with tan skin and long blonde hair. The being was so was uh, non-threatening and warned George of the dangers of man's recent entrance into the atomic age. The two spoke for a while and George asked if he could take a picture of Orthon who declined the offer. God damn it. No photos, please. No photos. No paparazzi. Instead, he asked George for a photographic plate which he just happened to have. And Ortho took this item with him when he returned to his craft and left George standing bewildered in the desert as he flew back to Venus. Photographic plate. Photographic plate. Is that, I, I guess, this is this is the um, early 50s photographic so plate. So the, the plate goes in, the camera shutter opens, the light hits it, and then that's what creates <laughs> the image, the different... Yeah, so I mean that plate that slides in there and those old type cameras, maybe that's what it's talking about? It's weird that this guy from Venus knew about 50s photographic technology. Yeah. Well, maybe they had been uh, listening to uh, radio broadcasts and stuff, you know? Because that would totally make it to Venus, you know? So maybe it's like they heard an ad for the Minolta camera. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they've been watching American television. He gets off this little craft and he's like... are you Red Skelton? Yeah. <laughs> Where is Red Skelton? <laughs> we would like to see one of his bits. Uh, we would like yeah. to see him pantomime as a little boy. <laughs> That's one of the best. It's one of the best. Have you, did you see that one? No. Where he's the little boy pantomime? Oh, my God. You should look it up. Just put in Red Skelton <laughs> pantomime little boy or something I love like that. Red Skelton anyway. It, it's so good. Um the group that was with George claims to have seen someone standing out there with him in the distance and also claimed to have taken plaster casts of the Venusians' sh- uh, shoe prints after he left. According to the group, the tread of the shoes contained odd symbols that were meant to uh, be a message from Orthon, although that message is unclear because I guess we can't read Venusian. There we are. There we go. I pulled it up, man. And really... I'm just going to have to narrate this because... Yeah, you're going to have to. He's pantomiming, so there's obviously no dialogue. Yeah, so it's perfect for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not Red Skelton. Yeah, it's when him when he's older. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see him now. Whoops, I skipped. No matter what I do, I get into trouble. The other day, my mommy said to me, Junior, Junior, time to go to bed. The Sandman's coming. I said, okay, Mom, give me a dollar. I won't tell Dad. That's not what you're talking about, though, because that's a that's no, a bit. No, no, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's it's not, and he's young in the bit. It's like on Ed Sullivan or some shit. I can't remember exactly. But, um, uh, so, I'll, I'll keep gibbering until you yeah. see it. Red Skelton, Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's he's got a little head on. And he's doing a pantomime as as a like a little boy. Writing's not that easy. Shut up. We're not playing that ad. George claimed that Orthon returned the photographic plate to him a few weeks later on December thirteenth, nineteen fifty two, and when it was developed, it contained images of a mysterious, undecipherable message, much like the one found in the imprint of the humanoid shoes. Do we have a picture of that? Of no. that? Uh, 
message. That'd be kind of cool. I no, I didn't look it up. You can. Let, so uh, this is is this that uh, is this that thing or not? I think it is. Well, I don't know. He's combing his hair because he usually has like a hat on when he does it. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Yeah. Dad anyway, damn it. Uh, it. Yeah. Um, it was also during this visit that George finally took a picture of Ortho's craft. He did get a picture oh. as it floated away. Skeptics at the time, you can look up those pictures. Skeptics at the time immediately noted how much the craft in the picture resembled a chicken brooder with four light bulbs underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and you can look it up. That I'll, doesn't prove anything. <laughs> I'll put these pictures on our uh, web page, our website as well. Um, that's the picture right there. Right here? Yeah. And that does look like a chicken brooder with three light bulbs. I don't see four. Uh, yeah. Hey, that's, there that's George Adamski. Yeah. And some pictures, he kind of looks like Tommy Lee Jones, but yeah, look at that. That's his picture, man. People, uh, it'll be on our website probably by the time you hear this. Um, <laughs> many people though did take the photo seriously. George claimed that he had been photographing other Uf- UFOs as far back as 1949. Mm. When, at the request of the U.S. military, he attached a camera to his telescope and began photographing the crafts. George wrote, and I quote, Since then, winter and summer, day and night, through heat and cold, wind, rains, and fog, I have spent every moment possible outdoors watching the skies. George claimed to have taken hundreds of photos of flying saucers and said he gave them all to the U.S. military, uh, but he kept the negatives. By this point, the photos George had made public were being printed in newspapers and magazines everywhere, and he was, for a time, considered by some to be an authority on the UFO phenomenon. He claimed some of the photos had been examined by Cecil B. DeMille's uh, top trick photographer, J. Peveril Marley, who declared if the photos were fake, they were the best fakes he'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before. Yeah. On something. (laughs) Uh, George went on to say that uh, that Marley had even uh, found a previously undiscovered spaceman inside one of the photographed crafts. Now, J. Peveril Marley would later be asked to verify these statements, and he denied that he ever made them. Oh, man. Uh, George Adamski was a uh, flim flam man, hmm. really. Uh, yeah. He bolstered up a lot of... Of these, uh, I mean, obviously he didn't talk to dudes from Venus. Um, I wonder if were we aware in the early fifties that Venus was like a, an acidic climate and just like this uninhabitable. Oh, speaking of, well, though, we've always known that that the surface was well, not always known, but I think at that point we probably knew the surface um, was extremely cloudy. But I don't think we knew much about the atmosphere until, and I don't may it may have not even been us. Uh, the ve- the first Venus lander that didn't last very long. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up some of that. Hey, did we not just discover some sort of phosphates or something on in the atmosphere of Venus that led people to be like these are usually these are usually elements made from living things? Did you hear about that? Well, so there was one about Mars quite a few years ago. No, well, this this just happened last oh, week. Okay, okay. So like so like uh, uh like something that only life could make or yes. yeah yeah you have to look that up look i'm looking up. i'm looking at uh lander orbiter so i'm going to look up one of the first ones so the soviet probe venera 9 in 1975 becoming the first official artificial satellite of venus 
Um, and then it's talking about, um, uh, okay. So it says it separated from Venera nine. It's talking about a descent vehicle and landed, um, taking the first pictures of the service. And it's a pretty cool picture. I've seen this picture before. Oh, awesome. That's the first picture in 1975. Yeah. Wow. And it says analyzing the crust with a crust with a gamma ray spectrometer, spectrometer, uh, in densitometer. That's must be. That must be density meter, like uh, density of... Like you are my density yeah, meter. for sure. That's a George <laughs> McFly. Yeah. During descent, pressure, temperature, and photometric measurements were made, as well as uh, backscattering of multi-angle scattering measurements of cloud density. Oh. Um, and I think... Uh, it doesn't say it here right here, but I think it only lasted just a little bit, and then it just malfunctioned, and it was done. Damn. Because they figure out, like, the pressure and atmosphere. So, I mean, I don't know if what, what we knew before then. Uh, oh, wait, here's this is 1966. The Venera 3 space probe crash landed, becoming the first uh, to uh, reach the surface. But okay, well, this was 20 years before that. Or yeah. no, 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 no. Well, it was Almost. before that. Yeah, yeah, it was well before that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is like 67. It uh, took direct measurements from the atmosphere, uh, temperature, print, uh, temperature <clears throat> pressure, density, uh, it found out it was 95% carbon dioxide. Damn. Um, and the pressure is 75 to a hundred atmosphere. So 75 uh, to a hundred times what Whoa. it would be. Yeah. So they're talking about like put a can on it. That thing's crushed. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the, uh, this, this Venus thing I was telling you about. Yeah. This is from Vox.com. Uh, the search for life in our solar system got a lot more exciting this week. On Monday, a team of scientists announced its members had detected phosphine gas. Phosphine, not phosphate. Okay. In the caustic hot atmosphere of Venus. So what? The gas you'd recognize by its fishy odor is thought to be a byproduct of life. We did exhaustively wow. yeah, search through all known chemistry, and we didn't find anything that could produce more than the tiniest amount of phosphine in Venus's atmosphere, says MIT planetary scientist Sarah Seeger who was one of the co-authors on the discovery. Uh, that leaves two possibilities. The gas was created by life or uh, 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 by some chemical interaction scientists do not yet know about or understand. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah, those are two possibilities. But that's pretty cool. That was just yeah. last week. There was one on Mars like that, too. It was like it was like complex organic uh, molecules in the atmosphere that, they, that can either be produced on a rare case, I think of like volcanic and then another more common case would be some kind of life spewing that out as a byproduct. Okay. So, um, so that was, uh, exciting too when it first came out, but I don't know what, the, where they're at with that now. Yeah. One, one podcaster called it, the, they found alien farts on Venus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> hey, that's monumental. monumental. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know. Humans are humans are very weird creatures because I feel like like if you go to like sciencedaily.com, there's never like any like news that I ever see on there where I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. But really, I feel like we should like some of the stuff that we see on Science Daily. We actually should be pretty wild. But, uh, you know, um, that so dark matter theories, missing ingredient and in dark Ooh, matter. Theories. There we go. So like this should be something that uh, um I don't know, just like some of the headlines on here, it should just like blow us away, but it doesn't. And and I wish it did. I, I wish I was more, I wish I read up on some of this stuff some more, but there's only so many hours of the day. Right, right. But I mean, like, uh, uh, let's see, like primordial gas clouds around like um, 
you know, rings. It's talking about the what they've learned about what rings are made of. of. You know, it's like some of that stuff should be like, wow, that's so amazing. But we just kind of, I just kind of skimmed through it. Not we, I just kind of skimmed through it. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But what I'm waiting for is like something's like found life on Mars. I, like I'm hoping to see that on here. But really, realistically, um, that's a probably a one and 100,000 years, you know, like, yeah. like find. But I, that's what I want. But this other stuff is cool too. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I'm kind of disappointed that I can't get as excited as I want to about it. You know? It's just like we're desensitized, I guess, to amazing yeah. things. I've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. I mean, what really gets me is when I watch, which I don't watch it enough, but when I watch the planet earth shows and you know, it's like Attenborough talking about how some bird like a mating ritual and how it's trying to impress the other bird. I mean, that stuff a lot of times will get me and be like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> shows like a bird doing the dance thing. You've yeah, well, yeah where this wings out. And, and yeah. then the birds, and then we've talked about it before in the podcast, uh, birds imitate, uh, bird imitate. You talking about the liar bird? Uh, car alarm. That's going to be the liar bird. Yeah. He, um, it can imitate literally anything. So, I mean, actually, we can play this because actually for once in our life, we're actually going to play something that's actually good for a podcast. It's actually <laughs> audio. Where we don't have to talk about the the what's on here. Right. But I mean, if you haven't seen this, um, this is on Nat Geo. Liarbird, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it down there real loud. Every rock star has their groupies. But when the male superb liarbird takes the stage, he gives new definition to the term siren song. Like many birds, his voice is a prime way to woo the ladies. <laughs> this is fitting since you have a pet dove now. I do have. Well, mm-hmm. I'm rehabilitating one. Flashy 28 inch long tail feathers don't hurt either. Oh, he's almost like a little uh, peacock. The complex, the better. Like the kookaburra. Kookaburra. Yeah, he's, they're showing him, he's mimicking other birds. So I'm kind of skipping. It even fools the real thing. <laughs> but they talk about where they've been like around construction sites and they'll even do like jackhammers and stuff. It's like a Dana Carvey of the animal kingdom. <laughs> it can do any voice. Yeah. Or a... Uh, the Frank Caliendo. Yeah, I was about to say Frank Caliendo. Really? <laughs> yeah, I really was. Shut up, dude. Let us hear the goddamn bird. He does like a cell phone too. Yeah, your no, bird kind of does stuff like that too. Though. Oh yeah, my parrot. She can do all kinds of stuff. She talks more than anything. But I, I was watching. Yeah. Hey, we should have my parrot. Yeah, that's the bird doing a chainsaw. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We should have my parrot on the podcast sometime. Just have a just have her in there all in here all the time. Uh. Like, uh, there, I read a thing one time, or maybe I saw it on this. They were talking about like what it, what its brain must be doing for it to be able to do that. Because not only can it vocalize that, it's almost got to process the sound and figure out a way to, um, make its, you know, make its, you know, voice do that. And it's just amazing. It's just totally blown them away when they, when they discovered this thing. You know, obviously, to make another bird sound, I mean, because we can do impressions of other people. Right. But, I mean, there's only one guy that I ever know of that 
that uh, the police academy guy <laughs> that would you know do like the solo uh, like the Jimi Hendrix yeah. solo. Ooh, we've lost the beeps. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, creeps. exactly. And the sweeps. But I mean, that's spaceballs though. Even even. <laughs> I forgot about that. Remember that? that? Yeah. <laughs> What's that guy's name again? I don't know. He, but he's he, awesome. But I mean, it's like even his his stuff's good, but it's good in a comic t- style of way. I mean, we're not I, obviously he's not able to mimic what this bird can do, but it's right. just it's just amazing that that uh I, I don't know. It's just uh you know, that totally blows me away obviously, but yeah, nature is awesome. Um just when we think we kind of understand what's going on we find some bird that can do that yeah yeah it's crazy and i still can't believe i mean it's nuts when my daughter walks in her bedroom there's a a bird says hello pretty girl yeah that bird i mean she's first off she's 46 years old yeah she was born in 1974 it's crazy yeah that is crazy crazy um but anyway uh, she says so many things i mean and and not just repeating things like she says certain things that she knows like if literally if her water is empty or if it's like dirty, if she's dropped seeds in it, she'll say, want some fresh water. Oh, that's want awesome. Some fresh water. Like yeah. that. And if you don't, if we're downstairs and we ignore her, she'll go, hello. <laughs> it's so freaking crazy. Yeah. She says so many phrases, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. And, and, and to, to, know, to think that she knows certain phrases mean certain things. Yeah. And then the sarcasm. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some sarcasm there. <laughs> bird sarcasm yeah she's awesome man she's awesome bird i know you'll hear me yeah yeah oh man that's crazy so uh percival lowell were you gonna yeah, talk about yeah him well still? i was just gonna talk about like he was he was kind of a citizen scientist what i know about him uh basically what he would do is he would with his telescope he would stare at mars for a really long time <laughs> um to the point to was where, he stoned uh no, no probably okay. not Sorry, probably not maybe Maybe, maybe <laughs> drunk, maybe stoned. I don't know. But really, um, he did he did a lot for science because some of his observations and some of his like findings uh, ended up being proven right. But something that w- in in it's easy for us set set here now and talk about how he, how he was crazy. But they call the 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 channels on uh, on Mars canals because uh, and that's actually kind of a misnomer because. A canal would be something that we would create. Man, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, the way he looked at Mars was like that is terraforma, like by people or by something intelligent. So of course he's looking at it, you know, from a telescope, an early telescope, and and uh, um, you know, obviously we didn't have Hubble or anything like that, but and you know, no probes, obviously. But what I'm saying is like he imagined that. Mars had to have intelligent life that was building that they were building those things. And he wrote a lot about it and, you know, actually mapped it out. He built maps of the canals and really even like almost like highway maps that we have today. No way. It's so awesome. detailed. So, um, and like I said, it's easy to kind of scoff at the guy, but, uh, and I don't think he was trying, he wasn't trying to create something that wasn't there. He was just trying to say, Here's a possible explanation, and uh, um, and that just goes back to the importance of science, um, because what science needs that a lot of people don't realize is Sagan talks about it a lot. Uh, Carl Sagan, not my son, uh, <laughs> is uh, you need imagination in science. Some people don't think you do, but uh, like people out of science, but you need to come up with uh, sometimes kind of crazy hypotheses. 
to be able to test and see if that hypothesis is right. I'll, obviously, most of the time you come up with a crazy idea like something's building canals on Mars. Uh, mm. That's crazy. But, you know, you test it and say, okay, that, that person was wrong. And then you kind of shift back and have another crazy hypothesis. Oh, wow, that one was right. You know, yeah. uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of, uh, um, if, if you're a creative person, don't, and you're, you're a young person that's super creative, don't think, well, science is it for me. Cause it's so like black and white and rote and you know, all this stuff. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, you know, it's coming up with creative ways to, to fig to find the truth, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, there, that's why it's now it's, it was STEM for a long time, STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math. Now it's STEAM. They've added art in there, which I think is an awesome idea. That is cool. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's just like, uh, I don't know, I'm optimistic to some degree about that because I think, you know, if that takes takes hold in a small percentage of the youth and then they go into that and they have that frame of mind, you know, they shape the future. And that's something you could be optimistic about because there, there are a lot of creative kids out there. Um, we need them in the science. We need another... We need a push to Mars, and, and Musk is working on that. Uh, well, not just him. Uh, it's easy to say, you know, Elon's going to do it all on his own. What he does is... SpaceX. Yeah, he surrounds himself with... I mean, there's some... Uh, there's actually a really cool documentary. It's like a it's like a documentary slash movie uh, where they're taught... Where it's like, if we went to Mars... Have you seen it on Netflix? No. <clears throat> um, it's It has Elon Musk and his engineers, and they're brainstorming, like, ways to get to Mars. And then it jumps ahead to the future, like, after... Like, years later... And it shows us going to Mars. Right. So it's like, it, it's really unique the way it's made because it's like today and like it's real arc. It's almost like they're using that as archival footage, even though it's today's footage. Yeah. 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 That's you cool. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, he's just surrounding himself with all these, the smartest people and they're trying to figure out, um, creative ways to do things. And I mean, this all has to do with this, uh, you know, the golden air stuff because it's, you know, it's technology. Obviously, the reason why we like UFOs is the technology, obviously. I mean, the people, it's pretty cool. You know, it's an alien from a different biology, but come on. I mean, the most intriguing thing is that they were able to jump light years away from where they're living to come here. Um, uh, to me, it's not even about the green guy. It's like, how do you have all that cool tech? <laughs> like, I think my, my watch is pretty cool, but uh, yeah. you can you can come from light years away. Yeah. You know? This is... Something else, too. <laughs> we'll get into it a little more. But, uh, you know, most, of, for, uh, for whatever reasons, most of the contactees seem to be men. Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. And there's an element, there's a sexual element in peppered throughout. You oh. know, these voluptuous, like, sexy, curvy, large-breasted uh, alien chicks. Well, no, I'm more interested in the, the biology part now. And they do. They a lot of them toy with. Uh, you know, there was a, almost like a flirtatious, really, just you know, Marilyn Monroe on steroids type alien woman. That was just, just like every. I think most guys have this weird secret fantasy that they want to bang an alien girl. That's, well, that's hey, my that's my uh, Captain Kirk and the Green Girl. Oh, f- sure. Whoa. Sure. <laughs> you talk about you're a kid watching Star Trek at night, <laughs> and all of a sudden you see that Green Girl dancing. Whoa. Oh, yeah. You don't even care that she's a different biology. No. You're like, ah, whatever biology you are, I'm with it. You know you what? Know? That's you a- don't have to have DNA, baby. I, 
you can have something else. You can't tell me that even the most staunch, hate-filled racist, all women are beautiful. All women oh, are yeah. beautiful. You cannot tell me that that I, that's just this horrible, old, racist man cannot see women that's, of different races and come on that's what we have to do we have to find someone in that just admits that they're a racist and then be like okay we're gonna strap you to this chair and and here we got some dancers here they're all of the race that you hate let's see if you like it or not yeah oh you don't like it oh yeah you're lying i'm telling you asian women african-american women sure women, uh, arabic women german and we uh, could come together as humans they uh, they're all gorgeous yes so yeah, that would be an interesting like. Does your does your sexuality overcome your racism at some point? If you're a horrible racist, how did you twist the <laughs> the Jesus loves all the little children of the world? You kind of twist it into like a, a you know you love all the women races of the world. You know, it's like you know um, they're all precious in his sight, like type of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I mean, that's that's awesome. It's like yeah, I mean you can't you can't be racist anymore. I, you know. I don't know how you do that experiment. I don't know. Uh, we need we need Neuralink to actually plug in and be like, look, we can see what you're thinking. You don't think they're nasty. You don't think they're subhuman. You like what you're seeing, so just quit being racist. Go no. back home. A ton of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life were not white. And not even, I'm not, I'm not even talking about anything like real sexual. It's like, you know, sit down and have a normal conversation, and they're like attractive because they're attractive, you know, physically but then they're like attractive because they they're just nice to talk to and they smile and you say something and make them smile and they say something to make you smile yeah i mean we 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 can tell you're having a good interaction with with these people so get over this thing where you don't like the other race i mean you just you were impressed by that person so now you can learn that people are people and just you know quit you know i don't know and what does this have to do with what we're talking about? I'll tell you what. Aliens. Yes, we're about to discover aliens, and we need to not be... It wouldn't be racist. What would it be? It well, Gene species. Roddenberry, a big drive from what from what I know about it, and I could be wrong, but a big drive for Roddenberry was he shows that Captain Kirk can go to another planet mm-hmm. and work it out in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you had to actually use the phaser and deem uh, what, what... It's not... What's it called when you... Not stun, but the other thing, when it's not set on stun, what's the thing where oh, they I don't just, know. They always heard him just say set to stun. Yeah, but there's a there's another I know, there's phaser a, setting. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. And though. it just like makes them disappear. I keep thinking of Marvin Motion Deoptimizer. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Whatever it is. I mean, obviously, sometimes it came to that. But I'm saying like, you know, a lot of the time, Kirk worked it out and the bad guy ended up, oh, I see the folly of my ways, Captain Kirk. Yeah, and then they leave, and it's all in and Spock and Bones joke at the end, and the episode's over. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like Roddenberry's drive was to say, "Hey, if you can go across the galaxy and find a commonality with some alien with tentacles, you can find a commonality with the dude that's just a slightly different shade of uh, skin color than you." Right. Right. I mean that that's a really un- underlying message of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, no, and, he was very tapped into social issues sure, and equality. Sure. And hell yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. He was a visionary, Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. And something else, speaking of race and stuff, something else I, I've noticed more recently because I love the old shows and I know you do too, like All in the Family and Sanford and Son. So let's compare and contrast those two. Oh, boy. Uh, and and it, we don't have to get crazy racially <laughs> out there. But I will say this. Who was allowed to say more about 
who was allowed to say, I mean, if we're, if we're trying to say, and you're some person Holmes be like, Hey, we've always made race, uh, race a bigger issue than it should be. It's, it's people just, you know, want it to be more of an issue. So they make it that way. Who was allowed to say worse stuff on their show, Fred Sanford or Archie Bunker? Oh yeah. 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 Sanford had to tiptoe around stuff and I watched both shows and I've yep. probably almost seen every episode of both shows. And I, I love both shows. Even for the time, I cannot believe what Archie Bunker said. Sure. Sure. It's and I crazy. Mean, yeah. I mean, they played it off and they had meathead that would be the other character, but they had other, they had white people that went on Sanford and son and it was the same t- Norman Lear's same creator and they had the same type of humor, but Sanford wasn't allowed to. It was different. Yeah, it, it was. was different. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's not right or wrong or anything. But but for the people that would say that race hasn't been an issue and it's been made a bigger issue, I disagree. I mean, uh, I'm going to say it's better than it ever has been. But I still think we could still shift some more. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be woke. I'm not really talking about. I'm not really talking about what people say. I'm not talking about we should attack people for what they say. I'm. I'm saying we should, as a society, look at how certain things for certain people, how it's working for them, how it's not working for them and privilege and stuff like that. And, you know, we can do it with mathematics and data. It's pretty easy to, you know, you know, you got stats, you got, you got crime stats, you got this stat, you got that stat. I mean, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to pull it out of just someone's head and say, this is what I think. It's like, no, there's data and stats that back it up. So, I mean, I think as a society we can, you know, and, and we're doing better than we have, but then I think in some regards the woke culture has went too far in certain ways to where it's become more about what we say and not about what we really think or, right, or right. how we, what we do and what we don't do. Right. So, I mean, uh, I think, you know, that the woke stuff almost takes away from uh it takes it makes more problems that that we're dealing with those problems that is instead of something we could really deal with you know i think it would help everybody if they just remembered to give everyone else the benefit of the doubt sure and realize and i need to take my own advice i i i've only ever experienced life as uh, a white dude sure uh yeah i grew up poor and you know i'm just like middle class yeah and that's my scope yeah, uh, I've never sure. experienced life as a woman or yeah. an African American, so yeah. I try. You know, I try not to. I, I maybe I don't even have a right to have an opinion on a lot of that stuff because I I don't know what it's like to walk through America as, as a black man or as a, as a woman. You know, I don't know what that's like. I think it's I just don't know. hard. I think it's I I don't think anyone should have a super strong opinion anti one group. Well, no, that that I think that's left, right, up, down, whatever you want to say, like. I don't think anyone has the right to have a super strong opinion about any other group or subset of a group. Um, because yeah, like you said, I mean, it's common sense. You haven't walked a mile in their shoes. No, I have no idea. So what I they, mean, what but I think what's important and I think what some people are really good at is like, okay, let's listen to both sides of the conversation. Let's, let's look at data, stats, figures, let's, and let's be um, logical about it and let's figure out, what can we do that'll help? Hey, this thing we tried made it worse. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, um, and there are people out there working on these things. Uh, all I can do in my little town, and, and you do the same thing, is like um, give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And then also, like, the first time they burn you, 
don't just step back and say, well, that's a crappy person. You could actually examine and be like, well, let me really think what happened. It's like, and maybe they saw this a different way. And it made me think, you know, it's like you can always look at a situation instead of being like, oh, see, there it is. Just like, <laughs> just like my dad said, when you get that race alone, they do this, but right, when, right. with the group, they do this. It's yeah. like, it's like, I heard that crap all my life. It's, 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 you know, because they heard of one guy getting beat up or something that that's a sample size of one, very unscientific, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, that's what they think the rest of their life. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just too, way too much. I mean, um, let's, let's, uh, let's examine everything that we can and the stuff that we can't get all the facts for. Let's take a deep breath and say, okay, well, we don't have to fly off the handle on this thing. You know, I, I, this is, this is self reminder. And I uh, think the greatest thing we could do as a nation is delete every social media app you have and stop watching cable news, ne- major network news. I don't think we're as divided as they try to portray us. No, as. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's what gets the ratings and sure. stuff like that. I mean, they're at fault for doing it. And I've said before that you're at fault for buying into it. Mm-hmm. If you didn't buy into it so much, they wouldn't push so much out. So, I mean, there's like a couple and you're right. I mean, I think everyone should back away from it. I think if you really truly want to make a difference, for one thing, you're going to start at your house, uh, and then you can get a little bit into local government or just be the type of, if you live in a little town, be the person that's making your little town a little better and not the one that's making it worse, you know? So it's like little things like that. And, and, and to get away from that, I had this thought the other day when, I, of course, we're, we're done with the topic today, aren't we? Cause we're oh, done. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was making uh, sure. Tune in next week for part two of George Adamski. <laughs> I, I, we should have said that <laughs> 10 minutes ago. It's good. It's but good. I had this thought the other day, and it was really kind of a euphoric, uplifting thought. So there's a part of us that really never dies. That it, well, until the sun swells up into a red giant and scorches the earth until it's a big piece of charcoal. That's not for a couple billion years. Yeah, no, we got time. Okay. But what I'm saying is like there's a part of us that never dies because like if you are gen, like overall a kind, loving, caring person that makes someone laugh at least sometimes uh, and you, and when someone walks away from you, it's like that black mirror episode they would upvote you. They would say, Hey, that's, that was a pleasurable experience. I like talking to that gentleman. <laughs> yeah. If you're that type of person, especially to your family, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter if you go out there and everyone thinks you're the most outgoing person, but just to your family, let's just say just to your family, like, like you impart a kindness, like, like, and it's like the Cormac McCarthy book, the, uh, um, the one about the apocalyptic world, the, um, what's it called? And Viggo Mortz, um, what's his name? The guy from the uh, road. Yeah. The road. Yeah. Yeah that played it in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, so and it's, they call it the fire. You yes. Know? Yeah. So if you, if you kind of give that to your kids and, and your wife and your spouse, so that's a part of you that won't die. Like you, you can't like it, you can't cheapen it by saying, you know, I put the, I put my name on it and I fold it up and I give it to you. And when you open it, like it has my name on it, I gave that to you. No, that's, that cheapens it. And I hope you're with me on this cause it's so scattered. Like you give that to them. You don't have your name on it because it was given to you without a name on it. Like you give them that kindness and you show them that kindness every day. And you're going to have a bad day where you're going to cuss and they're going to see you mad because you busted your finger on a, on a, when you're working on a car or something, but that's not, that's not, that doesn't cheapen that 
because you've given them that kindness and that that spark of life and that fire, if you want to say that way. I mean, that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. But then they give that. They they have that, and that's at their core. That's who they are, and they have different ways. I mean, they're a different person, totally. But I mean, they have that too. Yeah. So I mean, like, like it makes me feel good to know, and you're like this too. Like, it makes me feel good that most generally. Like I'm giving that to my family and I haven't always, I, I feel like now I'm doing it now more than I ever have. And ah, I hope, me too, yeah. And I hope that it's like, like the, you know, this, you know, it's like cumulative. I'm giving more and more of that to my family as I get older and I don't become a crotchety old fart that's <laughs> mad about the entire world. So it's like that spark you're giving to your family, like that part never dies. It doesn't belong to you. Like the, whenever you think, well, I gave that to my kids and they're always going to they're positive people because of me. No, that cheapens it. What I'm saying is like, you know, you got it for a while and you lived a great life and you, you know, um, made the world just a little bit better place just by being positive. You give that to them. They do the same thing. Like that part of you never dies. And, and in 200 years, they've given that to their kids and their kids have given that to their kids. Like that part of you never dies. And, and, I don't know. That's just, to me, I just kind of had like a very euphoric uplifting moment thinking about that. Like, like everyone wants to say, well, there's this, you know, I'm in the history books or, or, uh, or my social media account. Somebody will be able to look at it a hundred years from now and say, Oh, that looks like a pretty good person. You know, it's like, <laughs> but really that's so cheap because I mean, that's not really who you are anyway. Hell no, it's not. It's yeah. fake. Yeah. It's so farce. I mean, it's just like, it's like, isn't it more beautiful that it's like an anonymous giving, like in a few hundred years, it won't be tied to you, but, but it came from you because you helped carry it along. It's like you passed the torch. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm explaining as well as I want I to. think you are. And I, my, my parents, man, I've said it before on the podcast every day I hear them, Especially my mom. My mom was the one, and I've compared her to like Forrest Gump's mom. And I, I am stupid, so maybe it's a good comparison. No, you're not stupid. But all the time, she she would just, and you know, at the time, and maybe I can hear her voice now, she would say, remember this when I'm gone. She would uh, say that all the yeah. time. Now, you know, I, granted, my parents were actually my grandparents, and they both said that. And, you know, maybe they knew, because... When I was a teenager, they were in their 70s and 80s. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. So maybe they knew. Uh, obviously, they knew their time was not, you know, I'm not going to be around till Joey's 60. Sure. Uh, even though my mom made it till I was almost 40, and that's pretty crazy. But anyway, yeah. she would say all the time, oh, for instance, now listen, later on, and I, maybe I was 12, later on when you're grown up and married, don't ever go to bed mad. Whatever it is, talk that's to her advice. and figure it out. Okay. At the time, I was like, okay. Uh, but then I remember that now. Or it might be like, and a lot of it had to do with relationships for some reason. Sure. But she would just say, now, Joey, Annie, if you are ever in an argument with your wife or your girlfriend, don't you ever call her names or don't say anything disrespectful because those words will sting and that, you know, that, that'll stay there forever. And to this day, you know, I've been married twice, divorced once, been in some arguments. Obviously, we all have. I never once, no girl anywhere on this planet can ever say that I've called her a name in an argument. Yeah. You know, I've listened to some, I've had friends and stuff that'd be on the phone with their wife and it's like, <laughs> whatever you effing bitch and hang up and just be like, oh, how do you, I physically can't do it. Yeah. I can't. No, I mean, that's, that's so that's things that, you know, my things that my mom and dad told me sure. stick with me yeah. to this day, almost every day. It's crazy. And, and that's then, what you're talking about. And then I'm, yeah. And then also like, not even the stuff they told you, like, 
just the stuff that they lived it and you picked it up just because they lived it. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, all that together, the stuff they said, the stuff they didn't say it. It's, I don't know. Uh, uh, when everything else fades away, that's, that's what you leave behind. And, 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 uh, yeah, of course you, you leave negative things behind, but, um, um, that's part of being a person too. It's, it's, it's being a good enough person where your positive outshines your negative and, and, you know, um, people think more about how you made them happy, not the time that you got in an argument with them. Right. You know, it's like, I don't know. Um, it's all obvious stuff. It's all super obvious stuff, but there's just a part, there's just a, that part of you is immortal. Um, um, you know, in, in, in beyond your family, I mean, let's say you don't have a family. I mean, like if you're a positive person out in the community, um, you don't know that time that you shape someone's opinion and maybe they are shape someone's not really opinion, but someone's mood to where it picked them up just a little bit. And then maybe that was, you maybe that steamrolled and then they had like a good week and a good month and a good year. Yeah. And then when they were thinking about a certain thing, like instead of being crazy negative about it, that time you said, Hey, have you ever thought about it this way? And you say that and they're like, no, I haven't. And maybe they can't pin that. They can't say, I remember the time Joey, made me think this way about this. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like just the time where you were just like the, 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 um, butterfly effect. Just, you just like a slight push, you know, Mm -hmm. like you turn the Titanic just a little bit and then 400 miles on its course, it missed the iceberg. Yeah. You know, Yeah. but if it wouldn't have been, if you wouldn't have been there, they would hit it. You know, it's like, it's just little stuff like that. That stuff is immeasurable. And, and, um, I don't know. For the most part, if you're positive, I think you can do that for people. I really do. Well, you know, and even while earlier when you were talking about, you know, you, when your kids or your family might see that that momentary lapse in your character, sure. it's not even that. But if you like, you know, you, yeah, you stub oh, yeah. your toe and you're like, Son of a bitch! yeah, oh, yeah. Kicked it. well, you know, even then that's even beneficial just to see that they're human, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Even the flaws. God knows, you know. Uh, my daughter's seen it in me, <laughs> not, not temper tantrums or anything, but just definitely character flaws. You know, yeah. there's been once or twice, there's a, I don't, there must be just like a darkness in me somewhere that has just woken up once or twice in my life. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. No, I, I, I know the and, reason why I laugh is it's just, I know. I, I, know. I think there's a darkness in all of us. There is. And sometimes certain circumstances can bring it out or you meet the wrong right or more like wrong person that brings it out or whatever. But I think that happens too. And you know, the, the last, like this time that it happened, my daughter was old enough to kind of, she wasn't three. Like she was old enough to see, you know, wow, dad's in a dark ass place. Yeah. And once I came out of that, I've had a lot of conversations with her about that. Um, and I hope that I can somehow make that to where, she doesn't, you know, she sees that, okay, you can be flawed, but you can love someone for their flaws still. I mean, I, you know, I saw my dad punch the side of his truck yeah. and put a dent in it when it, you know, when the wrench slipped and, yeah. but you know, which would I, you know, that's not what I do. My thing was not quite so cut and dry and simple, but you know, it's a weird thing just on, on, the, on the side of that, just really quick. Yeah. Tell me ahead. what you think of this. Go ahead. And I'll tell the audience out there. I, I don't care. Uh, this time, this darkness, I think, that we all have uh, in us. And if you don't, good for you. I've sure shit got it in me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I do. It's just I in there. Too, I promise. Um, during this period, 
I'm not even staying at our house. Uh, and I am, I'm just like, it's like, I don't even really freaking remember. It's, I don't know anyone listening. You ever went through a period in your life, whether it was a week or a few months or something where you went through something. And when it's, when you're on the other side of it, you're almost just like, what, what, what even happened? It's (laughs) so weird. Yeah. So during this time, uh, I'll never forget this. And you tried to explain it to me, this dog right here by us. Oh wait, I let him outside a while ago. I forgot. He's not in here. (laughs) Diesel. Uh, he's almost 13. We've had him forever. Uh, back when this happened, it was a four years ago. So he was like nine or 10. So I'd had Mm -hmm. him that long. He's my buddy. You know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sleeps with me every night. Love this little guy. My Pomeranian. Uh, I walked in the house to grab some clothes and stuff. Uh, and he saw me and was growling at me. Mm. And this happened for a couple of weeks. Anytime I would go by the house, he would growl at me. Yeah. I would go, I'd be like, what? And I'd go kind of go up to pet him and he would back up. Didn't want shit to do with me. He would growl at me and just stay at a distance the whole time until I left. So what is that? That maybe you're just someone he didn't recognize. See, isn't that bizarre? I'm, I'm not trying to be profound, but I think I was on accident. Someone you didn't recognize or he didn't recognize. It's I like, think about who it. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you? I think about it to this day how bizarre that was. Yeah. It was bizarre. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, the the dog-man relationship, man's best friend, I mean, there's a lot of science that backs that up. I mean, they've been with us. They're uh, the only animal we've domesticated. And, and um, I watched a documentary one time that one of the scientists on there was like, Really, you can almost say that dogs domesticated us. <laughs> I like that. I because like that. they started kind of hanging out around us and eat, eating, you know, helping us out. Uh, but but they lived on our scraps because humans have always been kind of messy and just kind of throwing stuff to the side. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, then it's like, hey, I'll tell you when there's something that might be dangerous. And then the people are like, hey. Uh, yeah, even today, like. Yeah. To this day, if the dogs bark, oh, who's here? Yeah. It's yeah. like, what's going on there? Yeah. There's such a relationship. Between yeah. And, and, and I can like, I can hear the, I can tell the bark and you, and dog people, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can tell the bark. You can tell that, Hey, I hear a neighbor dog bark. I'm just barking. Cause I'm like responding to you. Right. Yeah. Or you can tell woo, 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 woo. there's something in the yard. There's different. Yeah. It might be a squirrel. But hey, that squirrel doesn't belong there, you know. <laughs> uh, we have a squirrel that messes with our dogs. That, yeah, you told that me that hovers right above them where they can't. They're just little yappers. They're Pomeranians too. His dog. Quick, I don't know that we've ever said this on the podcast, but oh, I, yeah. Ivan's Pomeranians <laughs> are my is they are my Pomeranians' kids. Yeah, I have two sisters from different litters. Yeah, D- and they're night and day. Diesel was slinging wiener like crazy <laughs> years ago. He's got litters everywhere. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, like, but but back to back to something that's interesting. Instead of going off on a tangent about my dog, my dogs, uh, like you know your dogs, you know when they have that bark, and and then there's another bark they have that, luckily, I haven't heard very many times, but it's like there is someone, there is a shadowy figure. Yeah, yeah. It's like get out here and deal with this. Um. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's there's a bond there. There's, I mean, we've had it for you know hundreds of thousands of years. There's a bond there between us and them. Well, riddle me this with my thing with Diesel, just for that short amount of time being that way towards me, as if I were a total stranger. Sure. Is it possible 
if you if you're going through something mentally, like almost a mental breakdown, could it be down to a cellular level level? Sorry, where it's so profound that you're almost like putting off different pheromones, like it's well, a chemical something. I don't know about That's that. That's what I've wondered. I suspect that it's you know, I suspect that it's all about body language. They there there's some studies they do about a dog or about dogs where like we could almost like I mean, they can sense like, oh, they're they're sad, they're mad, they're happy. Like dogs are supposed to have a sense about that and it's all about they look at us and they look at us in a way another animal uh, no other animal does. Like they they look at us and they can they can tell and and it's just like the master of learning body body language. It's like nonverbal communication. I mean, there are people, there are psychologists that are, you know, try to become really trained at that as well to where, you know, they can help people in, in situations, you know, they Mm -hmm. can, I don't want to say psychoanalyze, but I guess that's what it is. I mean, basically, um, not, not so much where like, I can tell you're lying to me, but it's like, Hey, I can tell based on, and there's obviously for, for like help kids, there's obviously a lot of training you can go to where you can see a kid has a tendency to do this. That mm-hmm. might indicate this. But I think that dogs are are any are better than we could ever be at that because yeah. because I think they it was a survival thing. It's like, hey, let's get away from the humans. This yeah. is not a time you don't this human you don't I can just tell by his body. I mean in in the old timers always say that. My dog can judge a person. You know, yeah, like they can tell good people from bad. So I—that's what I could. I'm leaning towards that. Like he knew something was up, and yeah. he could just tell. Just, I mean, and you could tell when your spouse. I mean, you're not great at it, and especially the guys aren't so good. The the girls are a lot better uh, at. You know, they can pick up on something. You ever have something eaten at you? You walk through the living room. Oh, it's bizarre. Your wife's like, "What's wrong with you today?" Yeah, and you haven't and then even you're like. Nothing. You haven't it's even like, said anything. That's a lie. Yeah. You're like, hold on. I just walked from the front door to here and sat down. <laughs> and yeah. how do you know there's something wrong? And what yeah. really pisses me off is she's right most of the time. Yeah. It's like, how'd you know? And then I, I you know, a lot of times I lie because I don't want to talk about it. So I'm like, nothing. And they know that too. Oh, that, that, then they double down. It's like, oh yeah, there is. I, I can really yeah. tell now. Yeah. Cause Jess will say, and she'll even be gentle about it. She'll be like, you're just saying there's nothing wrong because you don't want to, yeah, exactly. to get into it. Like, why don't you yeah. just tell Joey, just tell me. So, you know, and then- <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And what I think, uh, from knowing what I know about the dogs and it's not a lot, but, um, but what I think is I think the dogs are even better than that. And I think it's like, you know, dogs can smell like 50 times better than humans. I think they can do that better than humans too. I think that's, I think that it was a survival technique. Like this is a dangerous person. Get away. Oh, this person seems all right. We're going to go up to this person and be a little closer. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come inside the campfire light. But there, you know, there are very rare exceptions though. Like, I'm thinking about Diesel, the relationship between you and Diesel. Well, well, him and everybody though. Well, but let's let's think <laughs> about that though. But you're you're like one of the you're the best guy I know, and he he he's hated you for like 13 years. Yeah, I, take I don't care, get it. I take really good care of his kids. You do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But he uh, hates everybody. He hates everybody. So well, I mean, it's 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 not you. I think I think he's just clocked in. I think he's. He knows his role as alerter. You know, I'm an alert yeah. when someone's here that doesn't belong here. Anybody, yeah. Oh my and God. probably he just doesn't feel right. I mean, he, he's that's probably just as simple as I don't like company. Like, yeah. I like our house when it's 
me, the dog that's in charge, uh, the, <laughs> the man, the wife, the little kid, and the teenager. Right. Like, that's who I want here. Yeah. Like, I don't want you here. Yeah. Like, and that's probably all that is. And Ivan can even pick him up. And we'll sit there and talk for an hour. And, and he'll like, fall asleep. In yeah, my- <laughs> fall asleep on Ivan's lap. Ivan's petting him, nuzzling him, and Diesel's fine. The second you set him back on the floor, yeah. he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a lot, it's a lot too, with eye contact. It's like, don't you look at me in the eyes. Don't you? Oh, you're looking at me in the eyes. Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know. that's a different bark. I really feel like if I was an intruder, I think I'd get a different bark. I mean, like. You know, like yeah. somebody he's never seen before. You know what's sad is the curmudgeonly old butthole. He's in the the <laughs> he's in the the fall of his life. We used to be he's buddies. In the autumn though. of his life. When he was younger, we'd be he'd jump up on me. And I remember. Yeah, but something happened. Dude, he's about to turn, I believe, thirteen in October. He's yeah. next month. He's going to be thirteen. If I'm yeah twelve or thirteen, I think thirteen. So anyway, yeah, man, yeah, thirteen. That's right. Oh my god. So that's like eighty five or something in in, in dog gears, <laughs> yeah. poor guy. So anyway, yeah, and that yeah that could that have could have a lot to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of well, earlier, and I mean I'll <laughs> shut up after this. No, no, this is what a podcast is for. I'll I shut up. I'll what quit. A- I'll quit talking on the podcast. <laughs> I'll just quit. I apologize for all this talking on this thing that is all nothing but that. But something you said earlier reminded me of a really cool quote from a another Golden Era contactee that we're going to talk about in a, in a couple of weeks named uh, George Van Tassel. And when you were talking about, you know, kind of like right now we're both in our 40s and you said you're kind of like more kind and understanding and patient and generous than you ever try have to been. Be. Try yeah. to be. Well, he has this really awesome quote. This is probably not verbatim, but it goes something like, it's too bad that by the time we have, by the time we have enough age and wisdom and experience to really enjoy and understand life. We don't have much of it left. You know, he's basically saying by the time we get to where a lot of uh, people, yeah, to where we're finally like, Oh, I, I understand you're, you're, you're already in the twilight, you know, of your yeah. life. It's man. Why can't we reach that when we're 20 or something? It's yeah. Just crazy. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is, it is sad. I mean, I guess, I, I guess, I mean, I would think that it's all about reproduction and all about that competitive edge of, of like passing our seed down. So if you think about when we're in the prime age to do that, uh, we're living very irrationally because that's all we're think about how many choices you make that ultimately, you know, rely that you're making because of that. Oh, really? Everything bad that's ever happened to me was because of that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, the the thing we've we've made fun of on the podcast, the no fear sticker yeah. that goes on your your uh, what's that part? Uh, uh, visor? Oh or, yeah yeah yeah, above your windshield. Yeah. yeah. Uh, come on, that's yeah. all about looking cool. And you yeah. know what looking cool is for? Uh, it's not to impress your friends. No. I mean, maybe a little bit, but really, it's just like, hey, I'm going to put you in your place, and then you know then I'm a little bit further up the ladder because I have the coolest car. And then I get my pick of the litter. So, okay. <laughs> so it's like, so it's kind of like though, if you had wisdom, you may not even reproduce. Right. If you had this wisdom you'd be above that, it, you wouldn't care. Yeah. You, or you would say, huh, oh, this world's kind of a shady, sad mm-hmm. place. I don't think I want to bring someone else into it. Mm-hmm. But then by now we already have the kids it's like, well, you can't, you have them now. I mean, you can't take them back. Uh, so it's like, might as well be as kind and 
uh, as good as you can to the, you know, not that, not, we're not saying we're perfect, but I don't know. I think as you get older, it's like, I don't know if, if, if you thought rationally, you may not be the best suited and you may not be able to, to spread your seed and reproduce that. I'm not, that sounded gross, but, <laughs> but I'm trying to be scientific and that sounded gross. Spreading that seed. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's that, that was my advisor. Everyone else is no, no fear. I had spreading my seed on spreading the seed. Yeah. Spreading this spreading, seed. Spreading with a apostrophe at the end of the, <laughs> duh, D a, and then seed. seed. <laughs> no fear. Here goes. What what spreading the seed? Like oh yeah yeah um, fear this young people listening young men listening <laughs> get that I, I've said it before <laughs> and I'll say it again and I don't care there will never be a better time in your life and I'm telling you and I Ivan I think you might agree with me than when you are when you are married and you've been married for a long time yeah but you're but comf- if I would have heard that a long time ago I would you know I, we can't convince them no but I'm telling you man when you when you're just and it's not stale. Comfortable is not stale. You know what I mean? Comfortable yeah. is safe and it's secure and it's, sure. I don't know, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's only stale if you want it to be or if you make it that way. But I'm talking about the best state is to be comfortably long-term married in your 40s. Your testosterone's low. Yeah. That burden, that burden that you had all through your youth as a young man about this yearning for this shit, you know, this... Basically, you're yearning for just four seconds of, and then then what? That's what your life is about for so long. Where is it? What's this? Uh, 220 something. I'm getting the timestamp. I'm writing it down because I want to pull that. I want to be like, I want to put that in the intro. It's like, Dawn of Mantis. It's like, quiet your mind. And then when the sound effects come up in the intro. I want to have that. <laughs> I want to have that sound like just in there, like vaguely. It's I've said it before. It's wonderful when that doesn't take up so much of your brain and so much of your your effort. No. Yeah. And that's when guys start building model trains and get into the Civil War <laughs> and start podcasts. It's great. It's great. I recommend it. <laughs> model trains and get reading about the Civil War. <laughs> You're right. I don't do model trains, but I read about the Civil War. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it in my 20s. No. No, because in your 20s, you're out there chasing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come on. And where'd that get you? Right? In trouble. <laughs> exactly. I was talking to a friend the other day that had faced some temptation. Uh, okay. And I am, the, I am the biggest preacher. I am every, every girl you listening. You going to preacher mode voice? Oh, I'm the... I'm through personal experience... <laughs> I am the friend that you wish your husband, every one of you, your husbands had because yeah. this this uh, buddy, no, not anyway, he just brought up a situation, uh, nothing bad at all, yeah. but he had just been tempted and yeah. it could have went bad. And I said straight away, I was like, there is no, I said, you shut this down. Yeah. You shut this down immediately and you don't ever even tempt that again or go near that or you no, know what i mean that's great I was like advice. that's the only way i'm telling you what the road to hell is led with this <laughs> phrase oh it's okay that i'm doing this because i'm not i'm not gonna like actually do anything yeah. oh, it's, uh, oh it's okay that i'm it's okay that i'm texting her because it's just text oh it's okay that we texted 74 times today because i'm not gonna do anything oh it's okay that 
she's going to stop by because you know what I mean? The road to hell is led with those little phrases. And I'm telling you, man, you put the kibosh on it right away. Oh yeah, for sure. And you extinguish that. You don't, you don't entertain it. You do not because I'm telling you, man, it's a slippery slope and it does not lead anywhere. Good. Don't think with your wiener. (laughs) No, that's 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 the dawn of mantis. There's no brain there. There's not. And it's it, your wiener doesn't care what happens to your life if your life burns to the ground. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah, at all. No, no. He's well, not I looking out for your I best interest. I, I, you know, it might sound like a braggadocious thing, but, but I'm at to a point in my life. A couple of years ago, uh, when I went to Rocklahoma, uh, I, I don't want to give details. I don't like saying talking about stuff like this, but I was able to go. I, I went without my wife with a bunch of people that still like to party because they're. You know, they're not bad people. They didn't do anything bad. And some of them had their spouses and stuff with them, but I did not. But so I was able, and this is this is a magical spot if you can get to this spot in your life. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Like to go home and actually tell your wife that, hey, this happened and this girl said this and to give her all the details and to just have her kind of laugh about it right. and not like <clears throat> get mad, you know. Um, when you're in your 20s, you can't, I wouldn't recommend... You'll know when you're there. Don't think you're there and then do it because then it's going to be like you're sleeping on the couch. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm at a point in my life where it's like, yeah, she did this. And then my wife even said this. And it, and, and this might sound cold. Uh, I don't know how this is going to sound. I'm just going to say it. She said, well, you were way over there and you were camping like you could have done whatever you wanted. And I'd never know, which is kind of weird. And, and no, that's some, just you two being honest. Some and young guy might have said, "Oh man, she basically gave me the green light." But, but I no, didn't take it that way. No, I took it, it like I took it like that is kind of funny that I'm at this point where I could say, "Yeah, I totally could have. I didn't want to." You know? Yeah. I I enjoyed the little interaction, not in a almost like a almost like a hey, uh, I I got carded at the liquor store. Right. You know, it's like right. that type it's of thing. It's a little hint of, you know, you're not just a total old fart. Yeah, You know, there's exactly. just that little glimpse of back in the day. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's like she was throwing and I was like, I, I wasn't rude. And I, I didn't, I didn't go all nerd alert and be like, listen here, young lady, I'm a married man. You need, you know, I didn't do that. I kind of joked and laughed. I didn't, I didn't inappropriately do anything. Nothing that would come back later that the Wokies could get me for, I don't think. But what I'm saying is, like, I just kind of, you know, joked around. Yeah. And then it was over. I love, I love, and I hope you're okay with me saying this, I love what you said, because it was basically, you know, she basically just laid it out there, you know, it was like, hey, follow me. And I love that you said you just stood there watching her walk away, and in your mind was just like, goodbye, pretty lady. Yeah. And you turned the, the opposite <laughs> way and started walking out. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, no, and, 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 not at one time did I like, should I go back? No, I didn't have that thought. I was right. kind of like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, I don't know. Just kind of one of those things like, you know, she rode off into the sunset without me. <laughs> uh, she probably rode into the sunset or the sunrise with someone. but With anyway, someone that, for sure, but yeah. <laughs> not me. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I just, the, in the what I want to share was the interaction when I got home, not that interaction. I'm not trying to brag. Actually, I'm just a tiny bit, but I'm not, <laughs> but I'm trying to, I'm talking about the interaction when I got home because that, that was way more special that we were at a point where we could do that, not to where it's like, oh, really? Well, I guess, I guess I'm not enough for you. You've got to go to Rocklahoma and see your entourage you know it wasn't one of those type of uh 
interaction things, which the only bad part about that whole thing, you know, talking about sleeping on the couch, uh, what was the comedians like talking about how he started fights with his wife so he could sleep on the couch. Cause he's like, okay, I'll go in here and sleep in the room with the largest TV <laughs> next to the room with the refrigerator. <laughs> like you really taught me. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. But anyway, uh, that's the only negative I could think about. I mean, it's like, uh, um, and your 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 mom said it. You don't go to bed angry. Angry, well, because you're not s- starting the little silly fights. Yeah. I mean, uh, we might say something passive aggressively that by the time I'm in the next room, I've forgotten about it. Yeah. And I'm not like, what did that B five say that? You know, it's like it's not that. It's like, oh, that was funny. Yeah. You know, it's like, why are you doing that all the time? Oh, why don't you pick up your crap? You know, you're trashing out the house. And then we walk away. No fight. You're right. (laughs) I don't know. Well, and I just, I don't know. Just the PSA from Dawn of Mantis to all the, any, (laughs) any of the men listening, you know, if you have a lady friend, uh, even if who's hot right now, I don't know. Some hot, even if the equivalent, like some girl that looks like, I don't know. Help me out. Oh, who's a pretty Charlie's Theron. Sure. Walks up and propositions you or something. Uh, the way I look at it is. You know, a lot of us have good records, and yeah. God bless you guys. A lot of us don't. Yeah. Uh, I, more couples I know have had bumps in the road, and man, have we came through some shit. And so the way I look at it is, and I told my wife this, um, you know, I broke her heart. But over years, we've put it back together. Sure. And, and now I just, and I look, I might sound like the most dopey whatever, but I don't give a shit. I picture it as this <laughs> delicate little glass heart that I hold in my hand. Sure. Like as thin as as light bulb glass. Yeah. And I picture that's what I'm holding. And like that's man's your duty is to protect that. Yeah. To make your wife feel like she's loved. Let her know you love her. Let her yeah. know. And you know, and you can still do that even if you've made horrible mistakes. Yeah, and, and I have you too. Can, you can come sure. through to the other side. And protect her little glass heart. Don't let anything happen to it. So when I don't give a shit who it is that walks up to you, don't think about the 10 minutes of whatever. 10. Or, you know, if we're lying, don't, bragging. don't think about the two hours. Let's get ridiculous if we're going to lie. <laughs> don't think about the two hours. No. Yeah. But even if it was 60 hours, it wouldn't be worth completely destroying that little glass heart. You know what I mean? Yeah, plus you'd go into some kind of psychosomatic trauma with without sleep for that long so don't do that either <laughs> yep that sounds good to me get plenty of sleep don't, and uh, yeah get plenty of sleep that's another thing hey that's another thing get plenty of sleep that 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 could be the what we close on because that's something as americans the study show we're not doing so it's way more important than people realize it is really it really, it really and is. that's it's like a point of pride where it's like oh i can get by on four and a half hours i get up at midnight and you know yeah. It's like, oh, you can get by, you can do that. No, the human body's a machine. That's like saying, oh, my car can run six, six quarts low. It can't. Yeah. We're all human. We all have the same biology, and we all need goddamn at least you know six to eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I don't know why I got so fired up about sleep, but anyway, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we, what, what else? We've talked about everything on the planet Earth under the, under the sun, under the sun, and and above it with UFOs. Yeah. So anyway, if you're still listening at this point, no one is. <laughs> uh, thanks and God bless. Someone is. Yeah. Remember, Carl has a mug. 
Carl, Carl, your mug's awesome. We've got Don of Mantis mugs. Check them out on Patreon. They're if you're awesome. A three month subscriber at a certain tier, you get uh, mugs and T-shirts and stuff. Uh, we don't. We don't even have the mug that Carl has. We don't. I want that mug. I don't have it. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a subscriber. Uh, We're and not a Patreon patron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we uh, Patreon has some cool stuff to where uh, you know we don't get our grubby little hands on the mug and send it to you. They send it out automatically, which yes. is kind of cool. So uh, Carl got one. It's sweet. It's actually they uh the design that we put up that i that i put up for the mug looked pretty good but whoever this company is that that makes those mugs they actually cleaned up that image some and sent it out so it's even better oh it looks amazing yeah it really does it looks so cool it really does look awesome so uh follow us find us on twitter send us a message uh get on the website let us know how we're doing and we'll talk to you guys next time on the on the golden era contactees part two yeah and listen be kind to others and be a quality person that's right you should be good night good night good night